going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again. I have done it for the first time in a long time. Is this 86 or 85? 86. I 80. think. Oh, that was the first one in a long time that I forgot the number. What's going on, guys? Uh, here again on a Thursday night. Hope you guys are comfortable, had a good day at work, all that kind of shit. Um, I'm we're half resident homies, resident homies down tonight. We got Joseph and Joel missing in action. Joel is, uh, I think, at a show, and Joseph's getting ready to play a show. So rock on, dudes. Do your thing. Um, I'm here with Casey. What's going on, bro? Hello. And uh, tonight, very special guest. I've been wanting him on for a while. Uh, an old friend of mine. I've toured with this guy in 2013 was it yeah i think there was it 12 2012 excuse me and as second guitarist of severed savior uh right now he's uh playing with artificial brain we are joined by oleg zalman tonight what's going on oleg i I should say lego there you go (laughs) (laughs) what's going on dudes thank you so much for for having me on and uh taking the time yeah, dude, definitely. Um, so I'm actually feeling I'm, I'm I'm scared that I'm gonna cut you off too much because I was doing it last week with Matt Hollenberg too, like with the the compu- the computer audio. It's like I I grew up in a family where I was always like, you gotta get it in, you gotta get it in, you know, in conversation. And but when, when I have the mic and we just have the computer audio, it's kind of hard for me to. <laughs> so I'm gonna try and not do that as much. I know I. We noticed it a little bit about last week. But anyways, actually, for everybody who hadn't checked it out, check out last week's episode, Matt Hollenberg, Hollenberg from uh, Cleric, Simulacrum, Titans of Tachyons, like so many different projects that guy's in. Super, super talented dude. Uh, great conversation. Check it out if you haven't. Um, also, real quick, uh, well, I'll let you do your thing first, bro. Plug uh, the artificial brain stuff you guys got a band camp and all that shit where people can get merch yeah absolutely i guess first off i do want to say shout out to matt hollenberg because that dude is a straight up wizard and uh so great to see him on here and i will also probably be guilty of cutting you off as well because i also get excited mid-convo and i just like really want to express that excitement so we'll we'll be stepping on our toes we'll be dancing it's cool <laughs> it's all good, dude. Hell but yeah, yeah we have uh, we just put out album three uh, on the 3rd of June, and uh, it's a self-titled record. We figured it would be a perfect uh, opportunity to kind of like have a, a capitulation of all that has happened in the last decade or so. And yeah, I'm super stoked to have it out. It was a long time in the works. We were supposed to record right as the pandemic hit, so mm. everything got pushed back. But you know, we had more time to work on the actual songs, so that actually... I think worked out to our benefit in the end. So yeah, um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're on Profound Lore Records. Um, we got a band camp. We're on Spotify. I believe we're on Apple Music. Maybe things like Tidal as well. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I got it on uh, Amazon Music. There you go. Amazon Music. Yeah. I got the unlimited thing. So you guys are on there too. That's how I was jamming it today. Yeah. Cool, dude. So yeah, all those spots hit hit them up. Buy buy some artificial brain shit. That j- shit just came out. It's dope as shit. To, for us, we got Cali. De- is it Cali Death Podcast dot 
bigcartel.com or just Cali Death? Oh, why, yes, it is. That's correct. We have right here uh, Cali Death Podcast.bigcartel.com. That's uh, mm-hmm. where you want to go to get your swag and all that. Good get stuff. that. We've we're, we're got some other designs in the works too, but once this uh, one's gone, I don't know if we're going to bring it back then. I know we're low on it, so go for it if you want to. Also, uh, battleforgedcoffee.com. Dudes over in Deeds of Flesh hook you up with some fucking caffeine. Whoops, let me take down this. Roasted to perfection. (laughs) Yes, all that stuff, dude. Go go support the underground. That's what we're all about. We're here to prop it up and help it out and be a part of it. And we love it. And yeah, dude. So uh, I see uh, Murray's already in the chat. What up, Murray? Hell yeah. Um, cool. There oh, he is. God, Jedi grind. <laughs> well, cool, dude. So Oleg, how we usually do this is we I was talking to you before. We like we like the timeline, dude. So the question I always ask my first question, when did uh music become something more than just background music? When did it when did that click happen when you your focus was pulled towards something in the music realm? Okay, we're bringing it back. So mm-hmm. my parents are not necessarily musical people. I don't think either of them really played an instrument. I think my dad might have played some like snare drum back in high school, baby. I got to ask him about that. Mm. But um, they did, you know, I grew up hearing classic rock such as Pink Floyd, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, you know, a, a whole bunch of the classics. That was kind of always playing in in the living room but i don't think it was up until i was like seven years old or so when i started to kind of like pursue music on my own and uh i think the first two albums that i gravitated towards on my own will were limp biscuits significant other and kid rocks the history of rock now Hmm. mind you i was seven years old so take, take that with a big grain of salt yeah, um, I, uh, I, I real quick. I was a new metal kid at, at the time that it happened, dude. And Limp Biscuit was something that I had uh, liked for a little bit. And uh, uh, is that Kid Rock record that you're talking about? Is that the first one with the Bob with the Ball shit? It's got the one. The one song I can recall from that album is the one that samples Metallica's "Sad but True," American Badass. So, uh, so. I, I, I don't think know. It's yeah, it might be a sophomore sophomore yeah. release. Yeah, or actually, no. So. That dude put did some like underground rap shit in uh, late '80s, early '90s from Detroit, where I think he even used the N word, dude. That's pretty crazy, right? Look at Kid Rock yeah. now, and he's dropping the N word on his first few albums. But we don't need to go too far into Kid Rock right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> with those two records but so what that is how old what year were you born 91 so i'm 91 I'm 31 now so you're experiencing it in real time too because yeah, that's totally. that was the years that those came out okay yeah that's that's what was fresh and uh and you know marketed in everyone's faces anyone that's of an age that's perceptible to what's being pushed to them in the media which i guess mm-hmm. The internet was around back then, and I was kind of always on the internet for as long as I can remember, but it still didn't have the same kind of like, uh, there wasn't that shift yet from like the televised music industry to what music kind of exists as now online. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, as a seven-year-old, I mean, you know, along with hearing like classic rock albums, I would also like obviously be around like Britney Spears and like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and like all that stuff that was like the mega mega popular stuff of the time. And yeah. uh, MTV fed me all most of yeah. my shit for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I guess it was also MTV that led me down that hole of new metal. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I definitely gravitated towards it way more off the bat. And then that was right around the time when burn CDs were, were a thing and like MP3, like ripping, like just kind of started to like really take a hold. And I had some older friends that started ripping CDs and one of them gave me like the first system of a down album on a burn CD. And I was like, what is this sorcery? It's just this blank CD. <laughs> and uh, this is still at like seven or eight years old or whatever. This is maybe a couple years later. I think I was about nine when I first heard that system of a down album. Okay. Um, and then, and then I kind of just dived into the more heavier side of new metal with like Slipknot and like Mudvayne, right. Corn, whatever. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years more, I was 12 years old and that's when I first heard Metallica. And that's okay. when, that's when things really changed for sure. So that means that, so your dad was listening to the classic rock, but he just didn't go that deep into the rock aspect to where he would find Metallica and be down. My parents had one Metallica CD and it was the black album, which mm. I, I took from their hands as soon as I realized what I was getting into with Metallica. That yeah. was actually like, I guess my introduction, I think there was, um, it was MTV two. They were doing like a two hour Metallica video special. And for some reason or another, I decided to grab a blank VHS tape and record that two hour special because I, I felt like I was up for something and I wanted to like capture it. And yeah. uh, I'm glad I did because like I think like the first two songs that they played were both off of uh, the Black Album. It was Wherever I May Roam and then Sad But True. <laughs> and I think I recognized Sad But True from Kid Rock. And I was like, oh, this is why this song kicks ass for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would I saved that tape. I would come home after school every day and just rock out to that tape nonstop. And then when I found out my parents had the black album, I was like, Oh, I can just throw this in my Walkman and like, take this with me. And like, yeah, it was, it was glued to my, my Sony Walkman for like a year until I then discovered the earlier albums, which that's, that's when it was like game over. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to be playing guitar in the future and I'm going to try to do exactly what these guys do. Hell yeah. That's so cool to hear because I'm 84. Casey, you're 83, right? Mm -hmm. And like, but you still were born, you were born in 91, yet you still were using tapes and Walkmans and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there was anything beyond that just yet. I mean, MP3s online were becoming a thing, but there was no way to like bring that with you mobily. Yeah, I would say like the Laserdisc version of that shit would be like the MP3 Discman player. Like it yes. would play the MP3 CDR that would hold like maybe 200 songs or something like that. Yes, yeah. come to think of it, I definitely had that because that was like the ultra like shockproof like... Yeah, dude, it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I was I, I was stoked on that one too and it had a little display so you could actually pick. It mm -hmm. was It was iPod before iPod, you had to put a disc yeah. in, in it though. You know? 
<laughs> Dude, how tr- how how shitty were those like very first portable CD players? Like, I think I had like some Sony one that like didn't have the shock protection yet. It was like the super like, and it just couldn't even like walk listening to it. You know, I'll I'll, I'll one up you with one that that they were trying to improve that, so it came with like a car kit where it had like rubber shock absorbers that you would mount. Oh, I remember that platform. That but they're not, they're like oh, we the can't do any, this is too new for us to actually do anything with the hardware and all that shit. So we'll just give you like an adapter to put on it that'll hopefully work better. I guess. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like a shock absorption kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was wild, but I mean that that's those are the steps you see getting to the iPod and all that kind of shit. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Enough people saying fuck this shock absorber thing. Still only if I slam on my brakes, yeah. that shit's still gonna skip. Most people slam on their brakes. Right. I remember like walking around with it in my hand because it was like too big to go into any of my pockets. And so like, you know, people when they walk, they usually tend to move their hands a bit, but like you have to like keep that hand solid if you want yeah. to yeah, fit it. Yeah. <laughs> so walking around like a weirdo with like one arm down, not moving at all. Yeah. <laughs> No, what I would do, I'd put it in the front of my uh, hoodie pocket and then just like support yeah. it with one hand and then walk with That's the other right. hoodie size or the back of your backpack. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steal it or something. Yeah. Well, I thought you were talking about like like the CD portable CD players that like had like all the like, you know, they, they just kept like advancing this shock protection like, oh, dude, we got it nailed, you know, and it yeah. was like the eventually just like phones like b- before they changed the style, but like all the flip phones and there's like these i remember those ones that were just like covered in rubber and they're all yellow yeah. and they're just like you can throw that against the wall and it won't skip you know <laughs> right. and like, it was like the walk was like covered in like an otter box yeah yeah exactly yeah but i'm all glad right. that's not technology so then so the metallica is it, that switched to gear metallica was was it that that was what prompted me to to buy well have my parents uh buy my first guitar when i was 12. And um, I pretty much like exclusively listened to Metallica for like a year and a half. <laughs> I didn't want yeah. anything else. I was totally, I, and like that's kind of that vibe kind of stuck with me through the time. So I'm a very obsessive listener. So when I find something I like, I just, I just like go at it until I'm tired of it and I can't listen to it for another couple of years or something. I hate to take it into the weeds one more time, but I have a, this thing that's happening recently with me, which is do you guys wake up in the middle of the night and the song's playing in your head? Oh yeah. Any, either one of you guys. So I'm having the phenomena of the same album that is replaying while I'm sleeping. Cause every fucking time I wake up in the middle of the night, it's a different okay. part of that album. That's like playing, you know? And I wonder, and and I don't even I, I don't even remember listening to this album as much as I would think something would need to be drilled into your brain, you know. But I did listen to it quite a bit recently. It was one of those albums that you that just fall in love into doing exactly what what Oleg's talking about. And now, it's not annoying, but at the same time, I'm like, I, maybe a different album. Like I need to like I need some some shuffle maybe on shuffle can we put it on shuffle you know like yeah it's like it's still stuck it's like still etched in your brain right even mm-hmm. though you're getting yeah. sick of it yeah yeah you know, I'm not getting sick of it because I listen I still am like uh, I'll eventually wake up and I'll be like 
Uh, I kind of want to listen to that again. And I'll like put it off because I just, I don't know why I gravitate so much to this album. It's a hip hop album and I just love the poetry on the album. You know, I've talked to Casey about this album before too. And it's just like nonstop in it's like etched itself into my brain. Yep. But yeah. It's kind of like a torture thing too. Cause I'm like, you know, I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that is actually um, like that kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, like a compulsive uh, experience of, of hearing the same bits of music in your head over and over. But it's mm -hmm. largely like that happens to me all the time. And that's usually what drives me to like learn a song is if I can't get it out of my head. And sometimes it'll just be like a loop of like five seconds, if that. Um, yeah. and it kind of drives me to insanity. And, and so that's, that's kind of when I'm just like, all right, I need to, I need to just dive into this fully, you know, get my whole body wet, learn all right. the notes, see how they're played, all articulation, everything. And then after playing it like a couple of hundred times on guitar, for some reason, it just always disappears from my mind and I can just then move on. That was going to be my next question. Like, when does it, find, is that what unlocks it and releases it? either that or listening to something else that then latches on and becomes the next <laughs> yeah, that's just, that i know it's like that's just adding more to the the situation though it's kind of like you know take quitting one drug with another one you know yeah it's a never-ending loop for sure and it's a it's a curse and a blessing i try to i try to enjoy it as much as i can because it's not gonna end <laughs> i guess that is like the uh the war with art you know like it, art may not always make you feel well it always makes me feel good in a way but i'm just saying like it could be a resistant a res resistant thing at certain times as well yes i'm definitely. getting i'm getting super stony already guys let's get back on to oh wait it's all right i'm, I'm down <laughs> back, back to metallica again yeah yeah i mean uh I mean, what can I say about Metallica that has not already been said? I think, I think James Hetfield and the other guys are some of the finest writers of songs, not just riffs, but where they take certain like little thematic things. Um, I was just recently, I just relearned Blackened, uh, Fan Justice for All, which was probably my next favorite once I discovered those older albums and mm -hmm. Justice for All the one that i kept coming back to because i just felt like it was the most brutal but still still very adventurous yeah. you know like they, they start that album off with blackened and i mean the the song starts with like that like classic metallica like stacked guitar parts where you have rhythm and then like three leads at least and i think they're all double tracked or something so it just sounds like a like this cacophony of just harmony like anthemic powerful harmony that goes someplace and leads you up actually. And uh, yeah, I just listen to so much Metallica. And then once I finally got a guitar in my hands and was like learning how to actually make the noises that I was hearing, I pretty much just played Metallica songs for a long time, like two years or so. That's great training, dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely, I think actually the, the very first thing I learned on guitar was what probably a lot of people also learned and that was the intro to smoke on the water um probably because i got my start through like reading guitar tabs and that was like one of the first tabs that's always in an example it's just like here's how you read these these weird 
numbers on lines. And uh, yeah, that, that blew my mind a lot too, because I didn't really have a guitar teacher growing up. And then I was, I was online and uh, learned about these tabs and I was like, oh, you could just read numbers and, uh, <laughs> and learn how to recreate the sounds that you're hearing that you love. And I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you're, you're saying yourself taught then from the beginning. Mostly. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any like, so, okay. I started when I was 12. That was sixth grade in junior high school. Then came, uh, throughout junior high school, I played guitar obsessively. Um, I knew yeah, do you have any, uh, peers that you were jamming with or anything? Absolutely. That, time? that was a huge part for me because I had some close friends that also played guitar. And then through them, I met some people that were a little bit more serious musically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember, uh, this, uh, this dude, Billy Ewan, he is, he was my first like real in-person guitar inspiration. And I remember the way he was introduced to me was like, this guy can play all the Metallica solos. <laughs> and I was wow. just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we played like a bunch of covers together. Uh, I don't know how much like we actually like went into writing originals. I think we like kind of tried to get something going, but it just never worked out, but we did like a battle of the bands. And we played three cover songs. It was Tornado of Souls by Megadeth, uh, Mr. Crowley by Ozzy Osbourne, and I'm forgetting the third track. I think it was The Trooper by Iron Maiden. So so we had we had a crew that was like very into the classics, and I felt blessed to be a part of it because I think I was the youngest person in in that crew everyone else was like already in high school i think and uh yeah. they, they definitely took me under their wing and showed me a lot of a lot of what is did it yeah did you play the solo in tornado of souls uh we split them up i think because nice. there's like there's like the the first like expressive half of the solo where marty's doing his beautiful you know mm-hmm. bend and phrasing and then the second part where he kind of goes into shred town and I think I played the second part, which I, I, I slaved over learning that solo for many weeks <laughs> and probably butchered it that, that long ago. But, <laughs> it's like but, a rite of passage solo or something. It's like, if you can play that, dude, you know, I can't that, play it. Casey, is that uh, one of the, so have you taught that to your students? I can't play it. So, I mean, like I can teach it, but I can't really play it. So, I mean, I can almost not really play it. Not really. Not even close. Do you have any, do you have any students that have uh, in the past that may be able to play it? I'm not like a shredder like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I had some, some students try. There was this kid who was playing in this band. He's a high school dude. He, he was uh, working on it and stuff. But I don't know. I mean, dude, look on YouTube. There's like a five-year-old playing it probably. Yeah. yeah. It's like crazy. Well, that's that's yeah. kind of like f- with the the access to knowledge and information that Oleg was kind of getting to finding the tabs so quick and being able to teach himself at home. Like that's that's kind of part of the exponential growth of humanity and and the internet. Like being able to co not coexist, but like um, reap the benefits of the internet to uh, enhance 
you know, intelligence and humans, we just learn quicker on certain shit. And well, I shouldn't. Yeah. If they have the access to all of that, then they would learn quicker at things that they want to actually learn. I fully agree with that. I mean, we like, it's just, it's not, it's not like we just have access to like this, like one area of knowledge. It's like all combined knowledge. And a lot of it is totally wrong but it doesn't even matter because it's, it's just there in the form of information that people take in. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like when I first got a guitar, so I originally wanted an electric to start with because that's what was, you know, getting me going. But my dad was like, if you're going to play guitar, you're going to do it the right way. You're going to play an acoustic first. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. so, uh, upset about that. But looking back <laughs> on it in hindsight, I'm super glad that he kind of, you know, it was a little bit more strict on that because it, it forced me to like learn how to, you know, actually like articulate like notes and uh, sustaining chords. It's it's like a totally different ball game from electric guitar. But right. when I first had it, I think I just kind of like dicked around on it for a week and I felt super uh, on like, what's the word? Like not encouraged anymore. I was like, Un damn. Unmotivated. Yeah, I was very unmotivated after that first week because I, I don't know, I guess like my expectations mentally in that young age were like, oh, maybe I'll just I'll just be able to play. <laughs> and obviously I couldn't <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then I kind of just put it down for like eight months or something. And then uh, and then, yeah, I think like just scouring the webs and learning about guitar tablature and being like, oh, you don't need a guitar teacher. You don't have to like pay for someone to come by and teach you this stuff note for note. You just kind of do it on your own and uh it was yeah it took a while and and bringing it back to your original question I, i'd never truly had like a one-on-one -on -one guitar teacher but in high school after a couple years of playing i went to like a i went to a public high school uh in brooklyn called um, edward r murrow high school and mm -hmm. i guess it's technically like a public arts school because they had a huge uh like music program theater was huge there um visual arts of all types it was it was awesome there were t so much talent like so much talent around us in all the disciplines but awesome. in there we kind of had the the capacity to to take like a bunch of extracurriculars and i obviously went towards music so that's when i kind of started to get like more structured learning environments uh one class was called guitar ensemble which is literally just like learning like classical guitar and flamenco pieces had an amazing, amazing teacher named Mr. DeMarco. Shout out to that guy. He oh, yeah. is a, a shining light of a human being. And, you always uh, have one or two of those teachers where you can look back on and be like, Go Speaking of which, real quick, do you know what's coming out on tomorrow? Hmm. Saturday night in San Francisco? Oh, yeah, dude. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's dropping tomorrow. Paco Delacia and John McLaughlin. Do, do you know the Friday oh. night? Yeah, yeah. Saturday night, dude. Saturday that was the following Saturday. night, right? Yeah, it's 1980. Like Is it the same, same three guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa. It comes out. Yeah, it's like, like this white record. It looks all sick, dude. It's it's uh and the back and the old one was black too. So it's with the like uh red, yellow, green. Cool. But actually, dude, that's so really cool dude, because like it's like a new Paco thing that we haven't heard in a while because yeah. he passed. Uh, I got and, to see him. Right. Yeah, have you guys seen him? Oh, yeah, Paco? I've seen uh Al Di Miola, but not Paco de la Chia. I got to see Paco, dude. It's so sick. Sick. It's like when? the best, best concert I've ever been to, probably one of really? them. I mean, 
non-death metal kind of thing you know yeah yeah so where was it where where'd you see him um so i get it mixed up i think it was in oakland because there was the jason thing that we went to that was in san jose and i get it mixed up which one was in san jose which one was in oakland so it might have been san jose but basically it was like i don't know like had it been like the early 2010s i think um or maybe it was before i think it was around that time yeah and we saw him um was you know uh just a tour he was doing it was absolutely ridiculous i went with two of my friends josh and richard and uh it was crazy we show up and everyone's in suits and like drinking yeah, wine. yeah it's like yeah. And then you like go to the bar like because we're like all together and i'm like following them and then like they're like they're just all like fancy you know like wines oh, mm-hmm. go to the seat we were like in like regular you know metal shirts and stuff for, like, it's two- definitely oh, a different experience to go to yeah. one of those shows do you like seeing al Miola and yoshi's oh. like it's all in oh, table. Dude, yeah. you're sitting oh. at small tables we, we should talk about al Miola too for a second but dude dude real quick though this one last thing i want to say about that paco show is they have these clapping people like on either side of the stage so that all this you know the super syncopated rhythms but they literally were doing like double bass between like panned between the states so like you know 16 30 second notes like between clapping dude Damn. like all perfectly and then a dancer like doing that with his feet like you know the, the whole on like bullfighter style shit dude like the fuck dude it was fucking thin. we were just like <laughs> couldn't that's what's it. sick about like other world music too like john mclaughlin oh, yeah. if we're going to keep it in the the trio that we're talking about him working with yeah. uh shock t those dudes oh, yeah. are crazy percussionists. I don't know what the names of any of the drums they're playing, but they're they beat the fuck out of those things. And the syncopated, crazy time signature type beats that they're doing, you're like, it trips me out just as much as any other technical music that we listen to. You know, listening to the John McLaughlin Shakti shit. Please check that out because you you'll hear some like insane percussion. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, everything that you guys just said, I'm fully behind. And it's crazy that you brought up that album because uh, the guitar teacher that I mentioned, Mr. DeMarco, he was all about Paco. He, yeah. There would be days where we show up to class and he's like, all right, guys. And he pulls up that like old school like TV on a stand in the classroom. Yeah, totally. And he'll just pop in a tape of, uh, of like a Paco concert. And we would just sit there and listen to Paco do his thing and that honestly is a lesson <laughs> just watching that oh, guy because yeah. oh, sure, yeah. he's not just, he's not just a guitarist that that dude is playing music and uh and I, maybe i'm just being hopeful but when you talk about like coming into a um like a big room like that and everyone's like in suits and looking all like stiff and whatever if he sees you guys in the crowd i'm sure there's a part of him inside that's just like ah, thank you like mm-hmm. oh, yeah <laughs> I actually Gilbert's got a story about Aldemiola show that he told on the previous oh, podcast right. where he yeah. was he was like fuck yeah in between <laughs> songs and shit and everybody else is doing the wine and suit thing that Casey's talking about and you just every it doesn't it didn't matter because it was we understand like it's all I I probably this is something that I was saying on the Hollenberg episode but it's languages dude and that I can understand that language, even though I can't speak it, you know, and we feel it and it's just as like sick and shreddy and technical as any fucking death metal we've come across, maybe, you know, surpassing most of it. And, and it's something that 
I with with my with the Gilberts and and all that stuff. The Gilberts. Why, why am I saying <laughs> multiple? Mike Gilbert is the reason why I know about that, and and he he's got great taste in fucking music, guys. So, and I I just I I realized he made it click with me. Like oh, I, you, like this is just as sick, if not sicker, than most of the shit that we we're, we're bumping. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to kind of what we talked about, I think it was actually before we were even going live, just warming up, but talking about how literally this is this is about having fun, like first mm -hmm. and foremost. And any like any high level musician like Paco or Aldi Miola, they're they're not gonna do it if they're not having fun. Mm -hmm. And so for that, like I'm sure for like Aldi Miola to hear Mike just cheering between songs, that's he's expressing that that inner fun that that he's trying to achieve on stage so it's totally yeah. and going back to friday night in san francisco there's comedy on that album that you're hearing in their in their guitar work you know and people yeah. are laughing in the audience you're you're actually wanting to see is there actually a video of the friday night in san francisco album i don't I, know i never i don't know if there's a video for the whole thing but definitely that like one hit song I forgot the name of it. Um, Mediterranean Sundance. Is that what it's yeah, called? There's that yeah. Video. yeah, there's that video. Yeah, there's that one for sure. Definitely a video of that. Mike's so, yeah, just, somewhere in the, the chat. Mike's in the chat right now. He says there's there are several videos. So. Yes. What's up, Mike? Yeah, you good. We want them. I want to watch that. Because there's parts where the audience is cracking up, dude. And I just want to see what their like, body language and facial expressions are at that time, too. Because... You could hear it in their how they're playing. They're like playing the Pink Panther theme or whatever they're playing, you know. Oh, yeah. and, That's right. and, but it's just like, yeah, that they're up there having fun, and then they're shredding your face off right after. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Everything well, else yeah. Is, is, comes secondary to that. Um, All right. Uh, speaking of having fun, I'm gonna crack another beer real quick. I will be right back in ten seconds. Go for it, dude. Go for it, dude. Yeah, no worries. Dude, no worries, dude. But yeah, that's okay. out. That album's dropping tomorrow. That's sick, dude. I want it. In July first, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, then yeah, so many Aldi Miola stories. We we've told them before, but you know, it's always you know, it's. Tough. I mean, there's that time where the, where the power went out that I saw them, and he had to play like acoustic with no power. Like I'm basically had to just come to the front of the stage, like with his band, and they had to play like quietly, you know. But oh, they played. Awesome, uh, they did. They did those songs though, like, like the more like acoustic, just straight. Because it was like an like an Italian band, and they had like you know, you know, uh, accordion and and all kinds of other stuff. But sick. Um, that was a cool night there. There was like a storm in San Francisco, and uh, yeah, like the the they were playing. The power went out. They went off stage. They kept trying to come back on stage, and we're just in the audience waiting. Like you know, it's all good. And uh, then like after an hour or something, like waiting, they just come out. They're like, "All right, well, you've all heard of Friday Night in San Francisco, but th this is like you know." something like funny Friday night in San Francisco or something else. I can't remember what he said, or this is a different Friday night or something like that. And uh, so, Oh shit. We got a special guest. It looks like adding, I'm, I'm getting a, a, a digital stream here. Digital stream. This? Oh shit. Open door policy. <laughs> you come from? Oh my Hello, goodness. Oleg. I love What's you. On, I miss man. you. I miss Mr. You Musk. Too. <laughs> dude. Oh my God. So good. Yeah, dude better it's great to see you on here man and yeah see you in general it's been almost 10 years it's we been more actually 
It's been a little more since yeah. uh, since I first showed up at your doorstep at like 2 a.m. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, having you uh, basically live with me for what, a month? And then yep. live with you on tour for a month? And then a week after that? That was fucking some of the best times of my life, man. It was great. Hell yeah. Well, I want to get to it for sure, dude. Where's where's uh where's the other oh, man? Hey, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> Since we're talking about Friday night in San Francisco, yes. Uh you guys have all seen three amigos, right? Yeah. Okay. You're talking about the movie, right? Yes. A while, but so, yeah. Martin Short's character, Ned Niederlander. Uh there's a there's a point in the movie. And Anthony knows that I, I relate to everybody else on this planet through movies. This yes. is how I, yes. like, how, whenever I try to tell a story, I have to bring a movie into it because I'm very visual. I need yeah. you to understand mm-hmm. the way I see something. So uh, in Three Amigos, uh, there's a point where Martin Short is, uh, or excuse me, the German dude, the the German ace and, like, gunslinger dude, uh it's like, whoa, you're Ned Niederlander, the star of stage and screen. I've seen you in every movie. I used to follow, you know, follow your career and watch every, you know, I practiced for fucking 20 hours a day with your quick draw technique and blah, blah, blah. And, and Martin Short's like, oh man, thank you so much. And then he's like, and then I learned about trick photography and how <laughs> they could speed things up. And he's like, I didn't use trick photography. So I had, and pretty much everybody else who, who idolized Friday night in San Francisco always thought of it and it don't get me wrong it is mythically and monumentally amazing mm-hmm. but it was sped up and it was sped up significantly and if you watch the youtube videos <sighs> from that show uh which i saw maybe 10 years ago uh, i saw years later after i had already you know i was playing along with like mediterranean sundance like that was my claim to fame in the late 90s was i could actually play that song all the way through sure, all the leads sure. and shit uh, and it took fucking forever to fucking get that shit down as much as I could. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, I, I saw some videos on YouTube of that night and I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's why it's actually half. It's, it's like a half step tuned high. Like it's in each, it's in like F. If you actually like try to play along with that song, you have to tune way up. Mm. And that's because they actually sped the record up. Wow. And uh, when I, I see the video on YouTube, my chest right now, dude. <laughs> when, when, when you when you see the YouTube videos of that show, uh, you'll you'll instantly notice that it seems like a different song because it's actually a little bit slower and the pitch is significantly lower. Uh, it, not to say that it's not incredible it's musicianship, incredible, but, in, incredible music too, yes, just in general. Yeah. But the yeah. first thing that came to my mind was that German dude confronting fucking Martin Short and Three Amigos going, <laughs> and then I learned about trick photography <laughs> and all these studio tricks that you do. And uh, yeah, so that was a very long way of saying that. Uh, check it out. Check out the videos and you'll see that it's actually uh, it not exactly wonder. what it seems. Yeah, that, that makes you wonder, like, who who made the executive decision there? It's well, like... They, When you watch the videos, you'll see that there's a few licks here and there that are different than what's on the album. So Mm. those were actually touched up in the studio. And I think for some kind of continuity reasons, I think for one, they probably did speed it up just slightly to give it a little more energy. 
Um, but I think they were trying to keep a, a consistent pitch knowing uh, that they had to overdub parts and make them sound exactly like they did. So it sounds like it was all a live show, which yeah. 95% of it is live on the album, but there are actually some punch-ins that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, which, you know, uh, what everybody exact reason, today. but yeah. Anyways, back to Oleg. <laughs> Take it back to Oleg. I will. I will. <laughs> so I don't, but I'm actually lost in your timeline now, dude. We were talking so much about those guys. So when did you actually get serious with like jamming with your first band? I want to hear about that. Like, like situation where things were like moving and getting, you're writing originals, you know, you're actually doing the real thing versus, you know, covering songs and all that kind of stuff. Well, when it comes to writing originals, I kind of just like always avoided that up until like halfway through my time working with Artificial Brain and Dan. Okay. He was, was kind of the one that lit that fire under my ass to be like, what are you what are you doing? Like you need to you need to start writing your own stuff and uh, and working at that craft because it takes just as much time practice wise to to like craft songs as it does to actually just learn and play them which is something right. that I always kind of didn't realize, but should have, because like everything else in life, if you want to be good at it, you, it, it just takes time and practice mm-hmm. and, and tons of perseverance. But um, yeah, I mean, so like that group of friends that I mentioned earlier, where we, uh, you know, we played a bunch of covers, that was really like all of us were just really into that music and just wanted to play it together and recreate it live. And uh and we, yeah, all of us were like-minded in that sense. So we just got together and, and did exactly that. We, we chose some songs. We, we covered a bunch of other songs that we didn't like play live, I guess. But um, like we learned a bunch of Metallica songs. I remember playing Orion at one point, which is a, a, a kind of, a, I guess, like a Metallica deep cut. Because n- not many people talk about Orion, but I think that's an incredibly sick song. And uh, yeah, we were just, we were just trying to show our love for the music that we love by way of playing it. And, uh, right. right. Yeah. I kind of just did that always. And it kind of goes back to like our conversation about, uh, you know, having like the same song stuck in your head and it's just replaying over and over. And, uh, eventually you need to do something with that energy. (laughs) Otherwise you're going to go insane. So, uh, just learning to play songs that would just get stuck in my head. That would, that would always be just like my way to kind of, alleviate that in insanity of having it playing over in my head, but at the same time, kind of, uh, you know, seeing what exactly was going on and, uh, kind of treating the guitar as like a sound puzzle. You know, you hear like someone playing like a bunch of riffs and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of little parts that are going together here. How exactly are they making that happen? And so I always love just like learning how to, learning how to recreate that on my own. So like you'd be listening to like a defeated Sandy song and you'd press play and stop and, and press play and stop and only play like the first five seconds to be try and get the first five seconds. All right. Let me move on to the next five seconds. Yeah. Well, kind of, I mean, all right. So with defeated sanity, that stuff, uh, there's only one song of theirs that I like learned through and through that I tried to cover by ear, but I eventually got the help from Jacob, their bassist, he helped me out and kind of gave me notes on the tab that I sent him of what I thought was going on. 
and it, parts were like on and then there were other parts that was completely off and uh you know that's the kind of band where not only not only do they like technically go into acrobatic olympic levels of insanity but they also take like the the sound very seriously and the production that they go for is like unrelenting brutality like those guitars especially on like psalms and the more psalms the moribund they sound like they were recorded like deep in a sewer somewhere and that's <laughs> that's the vibe like that's that's what mm -hmm. they were going for and i love that so much but yeah that kind of stuff is kind of impossible to learn by ear because it's just like one the level of in, like technical insanity that's happening and two the, the sound production just doesn't let it but yeah um i started using my ear way more uh after like once i was in like junior and senior year of high school because that's when i took some more music classes i was in jazz band in high school and then i took uh music theory and then went into ap music theory and pretty much all of that was all about ear training mm -hmm. and uh that's that's what really then that's when i went from like having songs stuck in my head to having like little snippets of sound stuck in my head over yeah. and um so kind of i guess like on the one hand it kind of takes that insanity and pushes it to another level <laughs> uh, but at the same time it's kind of like you you need those tools in order to to like cater to the sounds that you're trying to recreate on your instrument mm -hmm. but yeah so um, so when did you come across death metal like when did you get more extreme like i, I we got up to metallica but i don't i don't think okay. we really got yeah. into how you got deep into the underground okay so after metallica uh i found out about like all of like the big thrash bands of the 80s so you know what, what do you got megadeth exodus testament anthrax uh pantera was a band that i got into big time around the same time as metallica um uh, for some reason a lot of people love to hate on pantera but i think i think pantera songs are incredible and a lot of people try to sound like pantera and nobody can do it because mm -hmm. they just they fucking ripped like <laughs> there's no those are no pivotal pantera. albums for me as well that yeah that and discography rips yeah oh my god absolutely and mike was the one who showed me all of their uh their like house tapes like the like them touring and like the making home. like diy home videos oh yeah that's the best dude that's what made all of us want to tour they 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 glorified <laughs> it so much and romanticized it so much and then you really go out there <laughs> yeah well i guess they were still around in a time where like the label would just be like all right yeah we can cover those costs of hotel damages whereas yeah. nowadays that's not that's not a thing mm -hmm. <laughs> so but no, i mean yeah. but those were those yeah. were very very uh important videos for many of us dude for sure so yeah dude so you went that natural route but i want to know like the more like when did you get into the extreme shit yeah so all right i'm trying to remember trying to like piece together things on the timeline and was it just the crew that you're rolling with who discovered what first everybody's trading shit back and forth yeah so i kind of was always the youngest kid in the group and uh i guess a benefit of that was always like people i guess deciding to like share things with me and like show me the way as as metalheads do um and so i just had tons of people sharing music that they loved with me 
And, uh, and because like I was coming up in the time of the internet, it was very easy to share music, you know, here's mm-hmm. the freeze dude. Here you go. Like there was, um, well, one of my good friends who I actually just saw recently again, uh, Corey Jacobs. Uh, I hope he's cool with me mentioning his name, but, uh, he was one of the first dudes to, to really open up his music collection with me. And it was on AOL instant messenger. And it was the file share feature. I don't know if you guys remember that, but people could, you can set certain folders on your computer's files to be shareable back in those days. And all I had to do was just click in my instant messaging window over to his files. You, it's the early version of giving away your Netflix password, dude, or your Spotify password. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And and he would just be like, hey, here's here's my music have at it download all of this or none of it i don't care but just try you know give it all a shot and he would kind of like guide me along with like certain bands here and there um and uh yeah some of my favorite bands i still discovered like through him because of that but i would say if we're starting to get into more extreme realms past like early thrash metal i think uh in flames and children of bodom were two bands that I gravitated towards a lot when I was like 13, 14. And, um, and that's like through those guys, somehow I also wound up finding out about like the whole like shred scene, like shrapnel records. Um, or I guess before shrapnel records, you got guys like Ingve Malmsteen and Steve Vai. And that was huge for me as well, because I had no idea that those things were possible on guitar. And, uh, Beyond that, I had some more friends just through knowing people, you know, growing up in Brooklyn that would continue to share their musical collections with me. And this one guy in particular, this name uh, named George, he shared with me like everything all at once. So I immediately after like listening to In Flames and Children of Bodom and like that kind of like mellow death scene for a while, I immediately jumped into like Cryptopsy, Decapitated. Nile, suffocation, uh, necrophagist, like so many, so many of like those classic, like early 2000s, 90s tech death bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I immediately gravitated towards it. At first, I was kind of like, what's, I don't know what, what my ears are hearing, but I'm very intrigued. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kept diving in more and more. And uh, yeah, it's, there was, there was no, there was no issue you know, vibing with the stuff that was being shared with me. I was, I was just kind of collecting everything that was shared and and just absorbing all of it. Um, so yeah, from Metallica to like kind of mellow death to just immediately going right into like the the deep end of the pool, I guess. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And I guess like slightly after that point is when I started being more, um, um, exposed to black metal like mm-hmm. emperor mayhem uh you know and like a, a whole bunch of the classic bands uh leviathan was a band that was shared with me very early on i was like 14 and to this day i love leviathan more than than most bands and uh it's just crazy to me that like i was someone showed me that so long ago and it stuck with me all this time all right um, but yeah, as, as soon as I like dived in head first, it was kind of like everywhere from there. Um, I like shortly after that, I started getting into like really hardcore, like electronic music, like Venetian snares and Aphex twin. 
Hell yeah. And, uh, square pusher. Like those three were huge for me. And uh, yeah, it was just like a time where, where I was just like privy to so much music coming at my way and I was just having all of it. <laughs> right. Right. It's like uh, I've mentioned it in a while, but those are all those those sections of time are all software upgrades with all the stuff that you were being exposed to to build up to get to this more intricate style of death metal and Venetian like listening to Venetian snares. You got to have the brain that's ready for that, dude. And especially if you skim through that whole disc, his whole discography is just bananas across board all different styles on all these different albums but it's all like crazy crazy stuff so yeah you gotta like build up to get to that if you just got dumped venetian snares at seven you'd be like what the fuck <laughs> if, I <met> a, <laughs> if i met a seven-year-old that was into venetian snares i would be like i gotta like watch out <laughs> oh, that that's like probably yeah like a decade from now we're gonna see some seven-year-old venetian snares fans no doubt right so okay yeah also i should mention uh our our old guitarist david siskin from odious mortem the original guitarist warbreaker uh, he yeah he he does jungle and he's he used to do shows in san francisco and bring out guys from london a bunch and stuff at underground sf and yeah put on a ton of shows for years and stuff but he, he's living you know in oceanside now down here in san diego and uh he's putting on a show tomorrow his first show uh it's gonna be like every first uh friday of the month at oceanside brewing company and it's going to be around from 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to be there. It's going to be sick. It's going to be oh, yeah. two, D two DJs, him, and also our old friend Silicid, who, same thing. He's based out of L.A., but he's, he's awesome, been dude. doing this for 20 years, man. These That's guys so are funny. Sick. The last time uh, that I saw David was a David and Silicid. It was a Warbreaker Silicid mm -hmm. uh, show in the basement and they rock the fucking house dude if you're down with crazy drum and bass like eerie atmospheric shit some like raga reggae type shit as well they all mix it all together and they do it really good i have so much fun watching david dude and i'd love to be down there but if he's gonna keep doing it maybe i'll make my i'll do like a weekend down to san diego real quick i'll leave the fam up here and i'll go down there and we'll we'll dance yeah man dance away yeah dude. Get your oh, feet yeah. but uh yeah it's gonna be cool all right so now oleg i gotta know this like so were there bands between this time and when you came out and played with us like what what's like the first serious project you got involved in i i guess you guys <laughs> really yeah it's Trip. it's pretty crazy um i guess at that point in like 2012 2011 um i had i had my youtube channel going relatively strong at that time just posting up a bunch of covers and that all started as a result as like a, like a homework project for one of my college classes because when i went to college i majored in arts management which i guess is like a fancy way of saying like music business degree which is also kind of an oxymoron, but uh, <laughs> I had like a social media marketing class and our whole, our whole thing in that class was just like, all right, you need to like create something and promote it online. And I was like, what the hell can I promote and do that isn't going to like tear away at my soul? And I was like, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to learn death metal songs and post them on YouTube and share about them. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, we had to like make two posts a week. So I like, I gave myself the very strict uh, guideline of like trying to learn and record and put up two covers a week, which I did for like, I think the course of that semester. So like a couple of months or so. And then was that, uh, was that still under the noob sauce moniker? Yeah. Yeah. I don't that was, I, that was I, your I was, name then too. So that was, I think I created a YouTube account right when YouTube became a thing. Oh my God. It's Troy. Fuck yeah. <laughs> what up? Cheers, buddy. <laughs> How's it going, man? Since you said cheers, dude, you guys do your introduction real quick. I got to pee so bad. I got to go get another <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's so good to see the boys. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Oh man. What's up, guys? Yeah, well, we are stoked. This is a little bit of a secret surprise for everybody. Right. We are down. We are here with Mike Gilbert and Troy Fullerton from Severed Savior joining us live. Secret surprise on the episode with Oleg. And super stoked to talk about it. So uh it's Troy. How's it going? You're the <laughs> good. newest. <laughs> newest guy on what's going on <clears throat> oh, not like, are you in the jam room looks like you are i the, i, I am yeah yeah nice I, long story short it was uh seemed like a good idea <laughs> Hell yeah. and my computer didn't want to recognize any cameras but yeah oh. but i made it so <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a good idea man the more the merrier <clears throat> totally, oh, yeah. dude. Uh, anthony was like hey you want to a little surprise for Oleg. I was like, "Hell yeah, hell yeah, nice." So um, you guys did a tour, or went? What? 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 That? 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 When did you guys play? Tell ten us. years ago. Ah, Dude, ten years ago, right? Twenty twelve. Yeah, we yeah. we're already, I guess, past officially the ten year mark if we're including Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Death Fest, which was, right. ah, okay. I believe, like mid June. Like or maybe like like the fifteenth or twelfth or somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we had like three weeks off, and then we started that summer tour. I think like first week of <clears throat> July. Yeah. yeah, sounds about right. Oh man, had a couple nice. shows, and then the fourth, and then a couple. Sh I don't know, yeah, dude, a decade already. I know, I decade, man. I think wow. it was just Las Vegas Death Fest, and then and then the full run from there. Yeah, yeah dude, we met. Yeah. Um, did I? Did we meet for the first time at the uh, rehearsal studio, Hit Wall? Was that the first time I met you in person, Oleg? Probably. Yeah, I don't think you stopped by Mike's. And, uh, and yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I was at the rehearsal studio. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys what the name of that place was. Hit Wall. Hit Wall. Hit Wall. Yeah. Man, is that place still around? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Randy, Randy, the drummer, uh, still jams there. No oh. shit, Randy Lopez. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, he doesn't dude. watch the shit, but <laughs> right. it's all good. Steve, uh, viral and saponification. Sick, dude. That's cool. That that's that's a story that I've told a couple times, so I won't do it again. But it was cool <laughs> that they were like right down the hallway, you know. Yeah, and we befriended them through you know jamming there for we. How how many months did we have that place? Like two, if that. Yeah, it was it was a. It wasn't more than that, I don't think. Yeah, but we were in yeah, there as much as we could. That. No, because so? we didn't. We didn't plan we on kept it until after the tour. Yeah, but we didn't use it. We didn't. We didn't practice a single time no. after the tour. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I mean, you know, we had it for a couple months before. Well, I think it was like February when we decided that we were going to do it, the reunion tour. And then, um, you know, I posted a couple of, I forget, like a Facebook post and maybe on the SMN board uh, that we needed a touring guitarist. And uh, it was probably, yeah. when, I, I don't, when was it? How soon after that? Uh, you were, it was either January. It could have been January that you made the post uh -huh. on SMN News. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely like just earlier in the year, about, uh, about a half a year prior to the tour that you posted about it. Yeah. Dude, I just realized Murray's in the chat. Murray's in the chat. If we didn't, if we had James, we'd have like the full experience <laughs> right now. Yes. <laughs> James was James? our, uh, our driver roadie uh source of entertainment merch guy source yeah, of merch. entertainment yeah fellow uh drinking James buddy he was he was the only one that got paid on that tour and he didn't <laughs> get paid that much <laughs> yeah. uh but he paid uh, us back in uh shenanigans and memories dude i love uh, james being a part of that dude, dude. yeah i was I was watching some of your YouTube videos, Oleg, and uh, all of them were sick covers. I was like, oh, they're all fucking really good. And this is Psychroptic and all this. Wow. So sick. So sick. And then you played the Servile Insurrection, I think is one that was the yeah, uh, yeah. everyone. Dude, I got like all excited. Those were mm -hmm. all his um, <sighs> like audition like, tapes. Like he really I, yeah. I, I had given I had. That's insane. What I say in the ad or whatever you want the post, I uh, said, you know, email me and uh I'll give you uh, a track that's question with, I think it had no vocals and it only had my, or the part that I usually play, which is the left-hand side guitar. And I said, record yourself playing the right-hand guitar because that's the second guitar part and here's the tab. And um, Oleg did it and I think he got the job and uh, I had start, you know, once once we agreed you know, to, to hire him on to do it. Uh, I had sent him all the tabs that I had. And like within a week he had posted like four or five other videos of him playing seven songs. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah. So it turned well, out a, a right-handed guitarist played left speaker and a left-handed yeah. guitarist played right speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. No, I, I remember that time very vividly. Uh, and I don't know what came over me when I saw your post, like looking for a second guitarist, but I was, you know, I was like, was that my junior year in college i was 20 at the time so i was i was telling anthony i was barely legal for this tour because right i, I thought you were 22 on the tour no did i, did I lie about my age <laughs> <laughs> i was i was 20 when you made the post and then I, my birthday is in late march so i was like okay. well I'm, I'm gonna be 21 by the time okay. the tour yeah. over. So, but um yeah, I saw that post and I don't know, something came over me. I was like, the tab's right there. I just need to learn it, post it, yeah. share it with Mike and, and see what happens next. And yeah, I remember you specifically asked for like a, a clear recording of the guitar part in the right channel. And I didn't know how to use uh, a digital audio workstation at that time. And I just, all of my YouTube videos at that time were just like shitty camera audio. I would just like tilt my amp up towards the camera and just blast it and then <laughs> and then by ear match levels with like the the actual like audio track yeah. um but yeah yeah i think it i think i i wrote back to you mike in like a week or something it was like six or seven days and i was like hey 
here, hope this works. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, you sent me Act of Sedition after that. And uh, I think Fuck the Humans was the third track. And uh, I almost, I thought I'd, I, I thought I wouldn't be able to do it when I was trying to learn Fuck the Humans. That song tripped me up more than the first two. Hmm. Uh, specifically that like super shreddy bit in like halfway through verse two. The scale part? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I had so much difficulty with that. I was so frustrated with myself. I was just like, well, I guess <laughs> that. <laughs> but yeah, just kept at it's, it. It's funny how that's it. Just real quick, just for like mm-hmm. individual musicians, like some part just is like, that's so hard. Or like that one riff or that one part or something, you know, it's just weird, you know? It's like, I yeah. Know, it's an easy part for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, had, I had a very hard time uh, playing question and act of sedition cleanly and thanks to thanks to mike's advice i like he helped me like clean up my picking technique like more than anyone like i i owe it all to you dude <laughs> and this is all through what what were, how were you guys person, though yeah oh, okay person. okay okay i was gonna say damn dude you're fucking <laughs> Well, he, I mean, he sent an emails about pick technique and you're improving somebody's <laughs> pick technique on the other coast. You know? even, even though Oleg, you know, uh, I, well, he, he's the consummate professional, you know, even though he was 20 and I thought he was 21 or 22, whatever. Um, he is, is, uh, regardless of how hammered he is, he is a professional. Uh, you know, he will, if he knows he has to learn something, he's not going to be sitting there practicing shit. He's not going to be playing on stage. He's going to play what he needs to learn to get down until he has it. And, uh, you know, his audition videos were enough for me to realize the potential and, uh, say, yeah, we got to hire this guy and get him out here. Mm -hmm. And when he came out, I was still working, uh, at the emergency room. So I was working nights, so I'd get off at, you know, whatever, one, two in the morning, sometimes later. And we would, I'd sit down at my little audio workstation. I had uh, the drum tracks from Servile and I would, you know, put in the bass tracks and I'd pan my guitar left, pan him on the right, excuse me, on our uh, studio monitors and, um, we would go through the set just like two or three times a night at least uh we would just go shit go through shit over and over and over until we had it right and uh you know i'm the kind of person that will stop a quarter of the way or half the way or three quarters of the way through the song if somebody fucks up and we're starting over we're gonna get it right the next time <laughs> and, and Oleg play, was fine with that start to finish <laughs> So Oleg, so uh, your time you're flying out from east coast to west coast. How's your schedule and his jet lag? Does that benefit you or does it not benefit you? I can't I can't figure out what would work. Well, first of all, I have to say, Mike, thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, I mean, so okay, getting to that schedule I think was rough. Maybe like one or two days and then and then it just kind of gelled over like all i did was just stay up later <laughs> than i should have like <laughs> nights and then i wound up like being in sync with my schedule oh, okay i think like because i was so hyped to just be on the other side of the country and and you know getting to know you guys and playing music for for the duration of the summer 
I think that was what like carried me forward more than anything. I was just super pumped and ready to fucking show well, there, that I was able to play, you know? There'd be times where, you know, I'd come home, we'd go through the set a couple few times, work on shit, and uh, it'd be three, three or four in the morning, and then he'd go to sleep, and I'd stay out there and continue to work on stuff, and 10 minutes later, he was back out there. You know, he's like, ah, I can't, I can't go to sleep while you're still playing. Like, let's, <laughs> let's work on this. So, <laughs> I mean, just the, the two of us, we just hammered it out. You know, I, I was relearning these songs with him. You know, I had not played these songs since, well, we hadn't played together live as a band since like 2007, uh, mm -hmm. rehearsing for that album. And even though it came out in 2008, later 2008, we still hadn't played together for forever. And uh, I didn't start playing those songs again until I knew that we were going to do the reunion tour, which was around February of 2012. And I think Oleg came out in May, something like that. He came out like a month yeah. before our first show, which was a few weeks before the first show of the tour started. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was, you know, really trying to build my stamina up and remember my parts and, and we just hashed it out together, worked out everything, um, one bar at a time. Yeah, dude, I was just realizing Lego and I have played the same amount of Severed Savior shows. There was no <laughs> shows that I played before Lego was in the band. So yeah. we're, we're the two new additions to this situation. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. Stoked. That's so crazy, though, that like you just like dove in to Severed Savior, dude. <laughs> there was yeah. no like real, cool. there's like cover bands and then boom, Severed Savior. Yeah, I mean, I guess like putting up like a bunch of YouTube covers. Um, yeah. It's like, it's different than if I were to spend time playing in like random bands and playing live because you play live, you know, you can mess up and no one will notice as opposed to like, putting up like a close-up video of you playing a song and there's definitely mistakes in a bunch of my videos but i was like i don't have the editing skills uh and i'm like too lazy to go back and change things and after like the the 70th take of playing a song at some point you have to say like okay this is this is good enough for for an upload but yeah uh, and most of the guys watching space. it oh sorry go ahead Troy. no i just said oh man i'm running out of storage space one of these is yeah. gonna work yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, most of the guys are like me that wouldn't even notice your mistake that you think you have. That's another thing, too. It's like your perspective as the artist or the, the people, the performer is different than most people that are watching it. They're, they're most likely just like live. They're not going to really notice the mistake that you, you know you made, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I also I tend to be hyper focused on details. And it's something that I like actively fight on a day to day basis because if I don't, then I'm just like, like a robot. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, I guess, I guess it helped, you know, with, uh, with learning the Severed Savior tunes, it was really like an inopportune time for me to do that too. Cause that was my junior year. And I specifically took like more classes than I normally would have, uh, for that whole spring semester, because I was like, let me, let me get a bunch of the hard stuff out of the way so that my senior year of college, it can, I can just focus on like my own hobbies and not have to worry about classes. And, uh, and then, yeah, like literally a couple weeks as that semester starts after winter break, I see the post from Mike 
And I eventually, like, I I literally just dropped two classes. I would go to them still, but mm -hmm. I didn't. I failed two classes because uh, I, I had a meeting with one of my professors and I was like, hey, so listen, I'm going to be doing this thing this summer. It's kind of my life passion. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not going to submit a final project. I just don't have the time. Yeah. <laughs> and one of like one of the professors that I went up to with this, he totally, uh, I guess, like heard me and I wound up getting like a B plus that semester. Wow. Uh, but two other classes I failed <laughs> because they were they were very straight up with me. They were like, listen, we don't ask much of you. This final project is like most of your grade. I was like, yeah, I, I get that. I, I just don't have the time to, to work mm -hmm. on this. <laughs> um well dude i mean i take that as like you know that's the classic go with your gut feeling like you're saying that this this post happened the tabs are there and just something in you just you just were pulled towards it Th that's you following your gut and obviously that's not a 100 thing but i'm saying like in these types of situations it's like as somebody who's that passionate about playing and stuff like that you gotta see it through and then you see this opportunity and it's an opportunity that fits within you know kind of what you want to do you know so this is a now or never thing and and to follow your gut in that moment I, that's a bold move you know at that age and I, I gotta salute you for that dude because pulling out of junior year it almost into your senior year whatever it's it's a uh, that's that's not something I may have would have done, but I didn't go to college. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I thank you. I, I honestly like I can't I can't even take credit for it. It was just like a like a feeling that came over me. I was like, I need to do this. Yeah. And I just I just I didn't even think about it. I just went for it, mm -hmm. um, and then stuck with it. And obviously, like talking uh, with Mike, like right after my first uh, email to him. Um, we were, we were talking like pretty regularly. Like, I, I don't think I have that email address anymore. Cause I think I was emailing you from like my, my college email mm -hmm. address. But, um, yeah, I, I remember, I remember going back and forth regularly about the songs and, yep. and like, and whatnot, you know, we would go out into the weeds as you would say, Anthony. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So you're out here with us and we get jamming, we get going, we tighten up. Now you're about to go out on the road with the band. How do you feel about that? I honestly don't remember. I don't. I don't remember like uh, the feeling I had leading up to hitting the road. Definitely a lot of like anxious, nervous, excited energy. But I feel like that's that that's something that has always been with me. Um, no matter how many times I've played shows or, or like been around the country, like I'm about to go on tour right now with artificial brain. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the video, but we're hitting Europe in, uh, in we're flying over in a week. Look at nice. you, dude. Nice. Yeah. I'm nice. super on it. And like, I'm, I, I feel exactly the same way I did, you know, leading up to the tour with you guys. Killer, Just, like, dude. Super excited going into the unknown. I don't know how the shows are going to go or just you ever been to Europe. <laughs> I've, I've been there, but not in like a, like a musical touring capacity. Just so, vacationing. Yeah. 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 It's traveling. Killer, yeah. dude. So it's, a, it's the best. Dude. Just a little secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's yeah. So I, yeah. That's someplace I've never been that I wish I could definitely go to as a traveler or performing. I'd love to do that too. Yeah. Um, both. I was going to say, uh, so kicking off the first show at uh, Pacifica, you remember that show? Well, the first show was the Vegas show. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Right, which was like such a a weird little one-off because that was kind of like, so that was was your first show, Mm -hmm. right, Anthony? Yep. So that was your first show with the band. That was my first show with the band. First show for all the dudes in many years. Um, And like, we, I think, I speak for all of us when we say we were like all very like excited and just like, anxious to get on stage and fucking do the thing mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it it wound up being awesome <laughs> yeah it was fun dude it really was a lot of fun yeah. i think i i th- at some point i threw up jaeger into my mouth and had to swallow <laughs> it back down because <laughs> we had to take a shot yeah. <laughs> oh yeah or two oh. Some people, uh, I it think seemed like a rounds what's weird about that <laughs> dude, it, well, it seemed like a, a good list, idea Right, seemed like a good idea. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I want to come up on stage with you guys, and we'll take a shot in the middle of the set. And we're like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then the middle yeah. of the set came, and I was like, I'm already about to fucking vomit. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, I think the first one was okay, but oh. then we went through a song, and then yeah. somebody else was like, oh, they're accepting shot rounds. Let's <laughs> send them another one. That's like being on like a 5K run, and you're running by a set of Gatorade. They just give you like, Jaeger. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. You just nailed it, Casey. It's like it, the the <laughs> fucking extra, you know, what the exercise of a song, and then come off and take a little break and talk to the crowd. And oh, you know, so I think I turned to Troy and I threw up in my mouth, but I got it back down, dude. And then I just <laughs> chugged the water and fucking. But that oh, was a, that was a weird situation, dude. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna puke <laughs> on stage. Puke on my right flip flops. Well, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, abuse right, like, right before us was throwing pig entrails all over the place. Do you guys remember that? No. You were stepping on. You don't remember stepping on pig entrails while we were playing. <laughs> I don't. That was a thing. I I, I remember oh. a couple things from that show. Uh, one. <laughs> uh, one controversy here from Murray. Was, hold on. Hold on. Uh, what is Murray saying? <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I was the one called out the first I think round. Murray, or Anthony did say that on the mic. You need oh, a shot or something. He called it out. We were we were the last band on the bill yeah. of like a two day fest. So yeah. it was like a whole like the whole venue was like, let's do shots. And so it was only yeah. appropriate that we disaster. Yeah. I was day. accepting one I was saying one round. I didn't <laughs> the second round is where things got let's a little get hairy. Fucking hammered. Right? <laughs> oh man. So the couple of things yeah. I remember from that show. Or one that it was huge for our first show back, and how nervous I was. Mm-hmm. And um, two, uh, I remember a few things. We're gonna go through them right now. I remember <laughs> the, the sound man coming up to us, like as we're setting up, and he's like, "Fucking all, you know, fucking middle age burnout." And he was just like, "Come on, guys, <laughs> take it so long. It's fucking one thirty in the morning. We gotta go." And I'm just thinking, dude. We haven't played a show in five fucking years. Give me a right. fucking break. <laughs> right. And then um it's not like there's somebody else playing. after us. Yeah, right. Right. Um, we started playing and uh it was you know, always an issue because we've never recorded nor played shows to a click track ever. We've never used a click track or any kind of metronome. Uh it's always been 
just been by how do I feel at the moment, which yeah. is not <laughs> necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we were playing so fucking fast. And you, all of these songs are on YouTube from that the Vegas show. We're playing so fucking fast that after like two or three songs, like in the in the middle, uh, in between songs, I remember turning around and just kind of like going up to Troy, being like, "Dude, <laughs> slow the fuck down. You're playing so fast. You're playing shit way too fast." And Troy's looking at me. He's sweating, and he's looking just at me, and he's like, "Uh huh, uh huh. I know." And all he said was, "I know." He's like, "I know." But it was it was the nothing i it can do the, yeah, yeah it was the i know i hear what you're saying i realize that i'm playing shit about 40 beats per minute too fast there's nothing i can do about it you're just gonna have to play along <laughs> and like the shit is played so fast that like i remember after the show talking to oleg and oleg was like dude do you remember that one part in like question whatever where there's supposed to be a mute and he's like, there was no mute. It was just like that. It just kept going because there was like no pauses, nothing. Right, like a like a quarter note rest was just yeah. like not even a hiccup or a blanket. Yeah, it's really it's it's Troy's like my brain understands what you're saying, but my body will not. Something's come. Yeah. You know, had that. He, he basically told thing. me in, 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 with his face. You know, I've known Troy for thirty years. <laughs> with his face, I knew what he was telling me. Without saying any words, he was saying, I realize we're playing way too fast. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Deal with it. Just the way it is. Honestly, too much adrenaline. I prefer that, uh, you know, no click in the moment. You know, yes. it's it, it fully encapsulated our energy that yeah. all of us <laughs> shared. Because we were able to keep up with those insanely high tempos, so like, yeah, we played we played it hell fast, yeah, and, did, and I yeah. I like I've always been a proponent of not playing to a click, just because I like having the human element of speed fluctuations and everything. You don't mm -hmm. I don't like sounding like a, a fucking MIDI track or something. Mm -hmm. But the flip side to that is, you know, when when that adrenaline is going and you're playing shit way too fast you know, it loses or it can lose the groove sometimes. Like when you're supposed to be playing a fucking slower, crunchy, groovy part mm -hmm. and you're playing it too fast, like the mm. the main part in fecal filiac, yeah. uh, if that's played too fast, it kind of loses some of the, the feeling. Um, right. So watching whatever. Some of those is, watching some of those is painful because I'm like, oh man, I killed the groove in that one. It's like going back to Casey's comment about the 5K race and drinking Jaeger. I don't know what happened, but for some reason I, I was sprinting in the 5K race instead of jogging, mm -hmm. and I couldn't stop. <laughs> Should have had that venti cappuccino fucking yeah. at Starbucks. The, oh, um, man. For extra Everything shot. seemed like it was like way too slow, so I was just playing what felt right. But ah, then I'm like, dude, why, totally. why can't I breathe? It's a time warp. Wrong. I can't breathe. <laughs> but even, yeah. even to the detriment of like any like specific parts grooves i think i still think that like it's more special because it's like that's that's how we sounded that night mm -hmm. and and never again did we sound like that yeah, it was yeah. like a special a special moment to experience yeah yeah if we played it if we played it earlier would troy have been as geared up for some reason yeah like, right. we caught that that was the wave that we caught as a unit and we we rode the that wave into the shore you know and exactly. we did our best to stay on our board and we fucking stayed on our board dude 
Keep saying yeah, not only did we kick some fucking, we were in the fucking uh, too many surf references. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> hanging yeah, off the waves. The toes. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I just dude. know that I I made I made an effort <laughs> to slow things down a little bit, so, to, <laughs> so there was a little more groove. Yeah, it didn't make any effect on how fast we're playing shit, and we just rolled with it. Exactly, but it's totally choice. And then <clears throat> I spent the whole tour every night telling myself to play the song so it felt slow. Play the songs so they feel slow. Play the songs so they feel slow. <laughs> <laughs> still super fast. Don't follow the adrenaline. Play them. There so was they times. Feel slow. There was oh. times preparing for that where it would just be uh, me and Mike to Troy's drum tracks in the studio too. I remember getting yep. prepared for that. That was an interesting situation. But actually, following a, a recorded track is actually like easier because. Uh, to start your drum, stop your drummer, and then start your drummer right back up immediately is yeah. <laughs> the stop play situation is a clutch thing in the moment. To catch your breath or anything. Yeah, Troy, yeah. Troy is definitely not a a, a push start, or push stop type drummer. <laughs> thank you. You got it. Thank you. Yeah. For, yeah. Thank you for taking that. I was trying being, to be very bit. nice and saying Troy is like one of those old cars that you have to crank them to start them. Yeah. <laughs> and then once they're going, they're just going. Yeah. If you make them. if you make That's the mistake good. of saying something like fucking oh did you see that movie or something oh shit here we go <laughs> <laughs> forget playing forget resuming practice let's just sit down and listen to fucking <laughs> let's listen to this you know story about this movie. Or fucking uh, this uh, car you're working on. It's so funny. Have you ever played have you ever played faster because you have like a shorter set time? Like oh, we only have 12 minutes. We gotta like play extra fast. Uh, no, but the the intentionally, but there were the times on this tour that we got we played like four or five songs because we were the last band that because shit went too long. Ran out of time. Yeah. 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 We got shut down on yeah. our very last show that tour. We got the uh <laughs> We were told uh, because we disgorge um, uh, got fit into the bill, and they played before us, and they actually cut their set short too. And when we're getting, we probably had like three or four songs left, and they were like, "Sorry, you guys got to end it." We're like, "What? We can't play one more." And they're like, "No, we're done." And I was just, I turned to Troy, I'm like, "Count it off, motherfucker!" (laughs) Yeah, I had no vocals. I still did the vocals into a mic. There was no, no vocals. There was no kick drums through the thing. Or through the PA, the guitars weren't going through the PA, nor the bass, no vocals. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we played inverted and inserted without uh, any PA, but we played the whole fucking song, and that yeah, was it. Good. That was the last time Severed ever played. There's well, one uh, yeah. uh, one thing to be said there about uh, having cabs and stuff on stage, having stage sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're, you guys are fast forwarding like a motherfucker. We haven't even started the tour, basically. Oops. Judging by the way your eyes look, everything's in fast forward right now. No, it is <laughs> not at all. I'm I'm on I'm on slow motion. I'm like, wait, we skipped a lot right there. I know you're in slow motion. That's why everything else is in exactly. fast motion. That, that's why this, these things go for three and a half hours, dude. <laughs> no, all right. So we fucking geared up for this shit. We did the Vegas thing. How how I don't even know how much time after that the tour the tour the tour started. So we had like how long two, did we have? Two, two or three weeks. weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was like two right. weeks. And then we played the show at Winners. 
Yeah, which was incredible. Was super fun. Referenced on the show many times. And then where did we go from there? Like, what was our immediate show? Modesto. Modesto to play for like four people. <laughs> yeah, I thought was... we... Was that the next one? I thought we played yeah. like Santa Rosa or something next. I think I'm oh, pretty sure it was right. Santa Rosa. You're right. I was I'm just sorry. chatting with Sam. Uh, I have a tour up here. The other night. Oh, you got the list? Night. Nice, dude. Okay, it was right. not Modesto. It was, oh, it was Santa up? Rosa. It was Santa Rosa and then Oakland and then Modesto. Santa Rosa was with Son of Aurelius too. Yeah. Carry gear, shout out. Riley Machine, shout out. Chatting with uh, Sam uh, Sam Lanyon last night. I think he said that it came up that uh, he, people were talking about calling in sick to work to go to shows. And he's like, yeah, I called in sick two days to go to the first two dates of that tour. It's <laughs> 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 like, damn. <laughs> yeah. That's dedication. I can't even I don't I'm just like golf, dude. Like my, my, I try and talk to my dad and my brother about, they can go through like their whole round shot for shot with the, the each holes. Like, and like, I can't tell you, I could not list the, the dates of this tour. If you fucking had a gun to my hand right now, it's, you gotta like remind me of every single one that we went to. Cause I'm just like along for the ride. You know, that's how I am in life, dude. My wife, knows how to get more way more places where we go than me i'm just along for the ride dude I'm, I'm right there with you i have a lot of trouble recalling like exact details and dates like most of my memories have just like formed into this one big ball <laughs> yes and most of them are like okay somewhere on tour this happened <laughs> and it's like <laughs> yeah but yeah. there were definitely some some standout moments on on this run um of like all varying degrees, like the great greatest night sky I've ever seen was on this tour in that random stop in Nebraska, just an open field. I don't know who was awake for that one, but I know a bunch of us, it was like 3 a.m. We're driving from Salt Lake to Illinois. Urbana. Going to Nebraska for 14 hours. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, it was like 1.30 in the morning and I think I was at the wheel and I was just like, I need a, I need a break. Like I need to like rest my eyes and my, my feet and everything. And I just saw like a sign that said like scenic stop. And we get there and it's just like this open field of nothing. Mm -hmm. And then, and then one of us like looks up and it's just like, Oh, yeah. I, there's the Milky way. Like you can see the arm of the milk. You can see satellites with your naked eye, just like slowly moving across an orbit. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely not something that I'm, I'm close to here in New York city. I look up totally. like, lucky if I see maybe Polaris, like yeah. the greatest star in the night sky. Like I probably won't see it too much light <laughs> pollution and regular pollution. And yeah. Yeah, dude. No, that I, I, I agree with that, dude. Like looking up is something that you should do more often at night, especially when you're places that you're not around light. Cause you're going to see some wild shit. Yeah, or, I like, actually I, I researched Nebraska, and apparently it's like it's got like seven of the ten <laughs> best like stargazing spots in the world. Like Nebraska is just apparently has the best geographical situation for gazing at stars. And yeah, we were, we were right in there. But it is like little things like drop off places like that, like the the barbecue that we all had. Do you guys remember the the fuck yeah, born on the cob? Yeah, going yeah. on the and cob with fucking uh, the se whatever seasoning, fucking Lowry's, yeah. Lowry's salt, dude, that fucking the uh, Mondo, not Mondo. The... What's his 
<laughs> Ivan. Uh, Ivan. He's fucking a doppelganger of Armando, our first yeah, base yeah. player. But that was amazing. Yeah. Corn on the cob with seasoning great. salt. Where was us? It was just off the it was off the side of wherever the fuck. See, this is where this is where I lose you. Or I, okay. I'd be I wouldn't be able to give you more information other it's than like halfway through the tour. It was at some like little drop. It wasn't even like a truck stop. Rest area. Area. It was just like a rest area and they had some yeah. grills. And yeah. the archaic dudes had charcoal and we all fucking got yes. food and it was just like burgers and corn on the cob and we were like okay. in the dark and just yeah. fucking getting drunk and fucking eating this and it, it and it was like whatever we but we have ketchup and fucking mustard that's what we had or whatever not even <laughs> relish or whatever but yeah. we're just it doesn't matter dude we're like nourishing ourselves on the side of the road drinking beers and rocking on dude that and that's the those are the moments that you cherish dude that i'll never forget dude Absolutely. i feel like it like it could have been texas or something i don't know like, something like that dude it was yeah. it was warm enough to where we're all i'm um, fucking shorts and sandals what up and, and it's nighttime and you can look up and see the stars that's what i that's kind of where i'm tying it in where i think i had a crazy star conversation with the archaic dudes that night too because orion's like this constellation that i've had this connection with as a child because where i'm at at night you see orion most of the time but when you leave where i'm at i look for orion it's harder to find you know so it's like orion has always been in the sky no dude that isn't drunk <laughs> shit that's fucking come on man. That doesn't sound like that. <laughs> That's like kidding. real. Shit. I take personal responsibility for the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I am drunk though. Um, oh. But yeah, the constellation Orion. Blah blah. No, blah. I, I totally, I totally remember that night now, and I could be wrong, but this might have been either like a day apart or that same day that we had a day off in Kansas. And we, we went swimming in some lake. Oh god. And that, oh, was, that was the day when uh the the infamous beer can throw resulted in a glued finger. Yeah, that was oh, fun. Shit. Wait, I still, I, remind me who got hurt? I'm in the fucking like middle of that lake, like an idiot. I'm like, Troy, throw me a beer. Oh, He's like, What? Man. I'm like, throw me a beer. <laughs> and he fucking chucked mm -hmm. that shit. And I fucking had to reach for it. And I fucking like, you know, in the water, you're like hopping. And I like hopped and reached for it. And the shit hit me right in the fucking tip of my index finger and split it open. Uh, and um, I forgot was about fairly that. Fairly bad, fairly bad pressure split right where I hold my pick. Uh, so for the next like seven or eight shows, I was like pouring super glue into the cut. I do and, uh, remember this completely yeah, now, dude. That was That's fun. crazy. So that was <laughs> mid-tour then, right? Yeah, it wasn't it was like, Riverside yeah, yet. Was yeah, it? No. If we were in if we were around Kansas, which I'm pretty sure that's where that, that lake was. That was before we were even in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's another shout out to the archaic boys because they <laughs> actually were the ones who found like places like that and we'd be yep. like, Hey yo, we're going here today and we're like Let's fucking go do that, you know? Yep. Yeah. And and yeah, so shout out to those guys for doing the grunt work for us and just being like, come party. And we're like, dude, that that's 
I mean, the performances too, obviously, but you, you really do look back on these tours that we're talking about as like the whole package and what kind of memories you made with your homies while you're out there. And, and luckily we all had our friendships that were strong enough to get us through the trials and tribulations, the many trials and tribulations of, you know, the tour tours that I've been on, you know? So it's like, what are we left with? We're left with how good we did as musicians in every performance and what, what kind of memories do we make with our friends while we were out there? And that's yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to tour with anyone if, if it didn't include, you know, like stops at a random lake in Kansas or, or whatever. I mean, that's like, right. obviously the music is very important, but if I'm just there to like play like an hour music every day and that's it that's kind of it's like if the sucks the rest of the time you're like what am i doing yeah, yeah exactly no you gotta you gotta live it up wherever you're at and, and there are dudes that do and women that have that that situation going for them where they're out there and not digging who they're performing with but they're grinding and you know shout out to them too for still holding it down in a situation like that just having you know your love for your instrument and playing music getting you through not playing or playing with people that you're not really getting down with but i'm just saying that i'm lucky enough to where like everybody is my homie my friend that i've gone and lived in a van for a month with you know yeah that's where you really see who a real person because it's like dude what else you got to talk about shit or you got you see who's wants to be quiet at times everybody's like doing their own thing or like i'll be on a drive and oleg will turn me on to like kathy flame like i'll 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 say that you were the one that Hell turned yeah. me on to that band and ever since then i've been in love with that band and i'm like i'll never forget it was fucking oleg that that gave that to me those those little gifts that you get from those moments in those times in our life dude for sure absolutely i mean yeah like music aside it's you know when you're when you're in a van for five weeks with a number of people you're gonna get to know everyone whether or not like you want to <laughs> um but, like, but sharing music is a huge thing on the road too and i'm i'm so glad to like you know share some of the stuff that i love because some of my favorite bands nowadays are i i can also like attest to being shared music on the road like uh the artificial brain guys showed me virus and yes. that's that's like my favorite band of all time and, and has for like eight years now yes uh, and when you go back even further and hear ved ved buenos and day and mm -hmm. you know what's up with all those dudes <laughs> what they came out of what they're like dud Hamsgard or however you say yep. that shit like those two bands melding together and into what would become virus i guess right no no so they it was like they started uh so you got um carl michael and vikotnik or i guess srall and vikotnik as their yeah standards. yeah um srall went on to do virus and vikotnik went on to do dynamics guard there you and, go um yeah i love both, both. projects but virus oh, like, really good Really, like, I, I don't remember which album I first heard. It was either Black Flux or The Agent That Shapes the Desert. 
but mm -hmm. whatever whatever had just played i listened to the entire album and then i asked whoever was at the you know whoever had the dj round i was like can you just please replay that whole thing right now right like <laughs> my, my immediate like obsessive loop listening <laughs> mode like turned up and was like oh we need to like immediately dive into this obsessively and it, uh, it's like um sad it's like sad black metal from the second wave of Norway played through a jazz rock twisted prism. I don't know anything like it. There, yeah. Like nothing comes close in sound. But you can all. hear you can hear like those those roots of black metal and some of their Absolutely. riffs and stuff like that. But it's played through. Like I said, it's just played through a different lens, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and you're, yeah, you're playing like these weird, like uh, dense but still very colorful chords, where there's like tone clusters, but on top of it, there's there's like an actual uh, context to which all those notes actually mean something, and then on top of it, you have these crazy alien walking bass lines and like disco drumming on top of all of it, <laughs> and then you have like Sral's like weird like satanic 50s crooner vocals on top of all of it. and it's great uh, dude it just, it just turns into this this package that's just like there is literally nothing that comes close to this in sound <laughs> it's hypnotic dude you get you get caught into this vortex if you let it take you the black flux if you let the black flux take you oh my god yeah carhartt was, carhartt was my first but i'm just saying that was just my reference like getting pulled into something but yeah all right I wanted to bring up one thing. Do you guys, it's just a small thing. Do you guys remember op pulling up to a gas station, opening the, the van door and thousands of mosquitoes coming into our van? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that very vividly, actually. <laughs> I don't even, we were, we were at a gas station, but we had filled up and then we pulled over away from the pumps and just over to like the side. And so that we right next to like a like stagnant pond. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were we were parked right over some weird little pond, some mystery pond that seemed to <laughs> have this like biblical like crowd of insects. That this feels like Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> it probably, it probably was, was, dude. Shreveport. Yeah, something. It was towards the end. I don't think we had to deal with mosquito, but dude, the roof of that van, dude, how many mosquito carcasses were on it at the end of it? <laughs> For yeah. us smashing them the whole time. That was the only way to kill them. Was just... <laughs> uh, shit. Brutal. So I, let's think of some uh, fun shows from that time. What was your favorite show, Oleg? Can you remember it? I'm trying to think of mine. I mean, there were there were a number of great shows. Like so, Las Vegas FS was crazy. Um, that show in in Pacifica, right? In yeah. yeah. That was great. I mean, like that was a hometown show for you guys, but I can feel that like hometown energy plus it being like a reunion tour and just like I don't know, the energy in that room was insane that night. Um, Who's Troy, is that a band next to you that's fucking interrupting us? <laughs> oh shit, can you hear that? Yeah, fuck oh, yeah, we can oh, hear yeah, it. Dude. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I don't have the normal noise gate stuff on. You can just hit mute 
when you're not talking. Yeah, you know what? I'll do that. Yeah, I'm used just, to having uh, a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, a gate and a yeah. noise suppressor running when I'm streaming. I forgot it's not on tonight. No worries, dude. Yeah, maybe just yeah, hit mute. It's all good. Dude. All good. But yeah, <laughs> we had, we had, yeah, they, uh, are, they are horrible. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm actually looking at like a picture of, uh, of one of our t shirts that has all the dates on it. And sure. uh, so, I mean, all these were kind of sick. Even the ones that had like no one show up were great times because like we were there and we were ready to fucking play and we did it. Every yeah, season. yeah. Hanging with the archaic dudes, having James in the mix, like we all made the best of it no matter where we were at. If they had a pool table, we were so stoked. Oh, that was yeah. that was where we would gravitate towards basically all night was playing pool. And I remember Craig being into it and he recently brought it up in a post of within the last few months where I was like, Oh shit, that dude's still into billiards, dude. That's dope. I had like, to stop. I had to stop because it was, it was like eating away at my life playing guitar. <laughs> I, after, after the tour with, with you guys, I didn't play for like two years. Really? I just, wow. Played, <laughs> I just played pool the whole time. <laughs> what the fuck Good. Dude, that's crazy damn yeah so mike got me super hooked into pool and just the art of what it is to play a game of pool um do you still have the mcdermott i still have the mcdermott i gave him as so going real way, quick this is the first cue no shit which is not a cheap cue either wow dude okay so it's got a it's a mcdermott McDermott shaft with a Predator 314, or excuse me, McDermott McDermott butt with a Predator 314 shaft. So it's it's a good it's a good cue. So <laughs> I uh, I'm like that's yeah. a that's a game that that Damn, dude. I I play by ear if I'm gonna use the the comparison. <laughs> like I nobody taught me technique of how to play billiards. I just had a pool table in my grandparents' basement and I was over their house frequently and I just kind of taught myself how to play. And if you remember, dude, I'm not that bad, right? Mike, I can, I can hold no, it down. You're, you're pretty good. You just never won. I never, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, there's, you're for a, for somebody who's right, never, you. no, you were, you were, you're really good for, um, somebody that didn't like, you know, I hate to say like somebody who didn't know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. But, no, that's that's really what I'm trying to get to is yeah, that like. But no, I mean you have the natural like your stroke was good. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the main main thing. Um, yeah, totally. Stroke, yeah, I got a good stroke, dude. I beat it out. Walk the walk, flip the flop, all that stuff, dude. There was a lot of there was probably just as many, if not more, amazing pool highlights from that tour than there were uh, shows. Uh, show <laughs> highlights there was that ridiculous uh uh um game that you played with this guy i think it was in kansas i'm looking at the shirt right now it was in kansas overland park at the yeah. roxy yeah yep and uh, i remember <laughs> i remember you played like one game with this dude and you came up to me after your first match and you were like this guy knows what he's doing yeah it's like he's okay. older he was an older dude he was like he was not there for the show he was there oh, to drink yeah. and play pool yeah. And and I pulled out a move to win a game against that guy to where he he like looked at me and was like, all right, good shot. Put his stick down and just walked out. But the 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 
I, I can't even describe the shot that I made. It blows my mind that I actually made it. And it was one of those where you're kind of like, you have to hide your excitement. Like, yeah, I wanted to jump around and do cartwheels that I actually <laughs> made the shot. Uh, Cause it was a really low percentage shot. Uh, it was across the table with English in between balls to get to the object ball, which was in the side pocket. Nice. And um, I, I hit it. I called it. I hit it. And this dude was like, all right, you're a fucking, you're a dick and walked out. Did you have to, um, did you have to mass say the ball? No, it wasn't. No, it was. All right. I'll, <laughs> it was, there was just the eight ball. He had two balls. And uh, I was down at the eight ball. He had two object balls left and they were next to each other with just barely enough room uh, in between them to fit a ball. And one of his balls was blocking my shot on the eight in the side pocket. So I had to go long ways down the table and I put right English on the cue ball with English, I made it just barely in between those two balls. It went down, hit the short rail, curved because I put the right English on it, and it went right to the side pocket and knocked the eight ball in. And um, English is when you hit either left or right on the cue ball to put left or right spin uh, instead of forward or backward. Um, and yeah, it was a really low percentage shot. I didn't really have another shot. And I just went for it, nailed it. And this dude, this older dude was not happy. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was one of those shots that like, you know, uh, like you don't think is, it's almost, a, you don't think it's possible. And, and I pulled it off somehow and he was, yeah. uh, it's like a pretty disappointed. Shot. Yeah. Um, there was a couple games that I remember playing on that tour where I played like random people for money. Um, that it was like their hometown and uh yeah it was it was a good pool playing tour yeah, yeah. i never uh i never uh bet anybody on any of the games that i play I, maybe we went like dollars or whatever between us but no <laughs> random dudes yeah do you guys yeah. do you guys remember the show in santa rosa where there was that little punk he was there for the show, but he was a fucking punk. I have no idea who it was. Some random kid. Uh, and he, he, you know, he comes up to the table and he's like, I'll play you fucking for money. And I think it was like 10 bucks, something like that. 10 or 15 bucks. I'm like, yeah, okay. And the whole time we're playing, he's talking shit. And he was a good player and it was pretty even. Uh, and like, I, I was just getting like, you know, when people talk to you while you're playing, especially if they're talking shit, that's actually the definition of definition of sharking. Like when you hear mm -hmm. like somebody call somebody a pool shark, that doesn't mean that they're a good player pretending not to be. Uh, the actual definition of sharking is when you're trying to distract the other person mm -hmm. um, to make them. You're, you're not. A, it, it, I've never liked that shit because it's like that doesn't have anything to do with actually being good at the game. Um, so anyways, this, this fucking punk was talking shit to me, this whole, like he was, you know, like saying I wasn't going to make the shot and, you know, and then when he made a shot, he'd fucking gloat. And, uh, I kept my mouth shut the whole time. And I remember it was down to like, he had like one ball left before, before the eight ball. And I had like three or four 
and and I'm going to shoot. And as I'm like going back to stroke, he started talking again. I stopped. I'm like, dude, I haven't said a fucking word on any of your shots. Are are you going to shut the fuck up and let me shoot? Or is this how you win? Like you only win by fucking getting into the other person's mind. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say anything. And then I fucking ran out the table and beat him. And uh, he was not happy. And he, uh, you know, he paid me the 10 bucks or whatever. You know, it might've been 20 bucks because I remember saying, all right, well, let's, uh, let's go get some beer. And I remember buying a drink, uh, for me and him with his money. But yeah. looking back, what I wish I had done was just taking his money and then just fucking ripped it up and just throw it <laughs> on the fucking ground. <laughs> no, you did actually the better thing, dude. That's exactly what you do is go buy him a drink and throw some positivity in there like dude, yeah. this, this isn't that serious dude we're yeah. at a death metal show fucking, yeah exactly you know it's this is gonna be you're gonna spend it on beer anyways just now you just owe me one <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean pool is definitely like like i don't know it doesn't take that long to get the mechanics down it eventually just all comes down to like the mental game it's meditative too if you really get like the there's times where we are you know when mike was saying talking shit because that dude was a stranger but we did talk some shit uh, just to play you know sure. it wasn't like yeah yeah that, when you're well, we were your joking homies, around like trying to make yeah. each other laugh this dude yeah. was like oh you fucking suck dude you ain't gonna make the shot you suck and yeah. then i'd make the shot yeah. and be like yeah. what like <laughs> <laughs> i you, did you, it you tried to shark me and you fucking i still made right, the shot right. you know are you ever gonna shut up like it's obviously not working because I'm beating you, you know. But it is it kind of takes you out of everything else. It, like, it's, oh, it we don't not fun. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say just the game in s itself. When I'm playing with you guys or whatever, it's like we all are about to play a show. You know, whatever. You, there may be nerves. There may be not, or we may have to set up. But right now, all we got to think about is we're out of the van. The drive's over. Everybody's chill. Yeah. We got a beer. We're all just like paying, focusing on this one thing, this one game. And how are, are we better than the last time we had one of these at a show? You know, <laughs> like you remember your mistakes that you made and you're like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to actually drop it this time doing that, this and this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike was like super. Uh, you were crazy helpful with pool. Like I just remember, like that whole tour. Not only was it a Severed Savior tour, that was literally my introduction to pool, which yeah. I took very seriously for like years. You, after. you and Craig, yeah, you and Craig both were like, "Teach me." I'm like, "Okay, you guys want to learn? <laughs> Here's how you play pool the real <laughs> way." It was it was one of those things where it was like you would you would tell us something and then we'd do it on the table and it's like, whoa, like. Yep. It wow, works. we can do this. This works. Yep. Like you just have to just, you know, get it right. <laughs> well, and that's why I, I like was fine, like, and happy to take you guys, you know, under my wing, if you want to put it that way and teach you how to play. Cause I knew you guys were like genuinely interested and, and wanted to learn. And like, you guys both had natural talent and, uh, like every day, every, every show we played, there was like an, imp you could see an improvement in your guys' playing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Oleg and, uh, and Craig, 
Anthony. Nah, I was just about to say, there, <laughs> nah, dude, you just stepped on my shit. I was already going to jump in there and be like, why didn't you take me under your wing? Like you took I tried. Them under your I wing. tried. I gave you some pointers. <laughs> I feel left <laughs> out, dude. I feel like the Jedi, the Jedi Q was passed along and I, I wasn't able to uh, absorb any of that. Well, you, they, they, those two, Craig and Oleg, really kind of every show it was like, all right, Mike, let's go fucking, let's, you know, four hours before the show, let's go and fucking play. And, and, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? Or let's just, you know, let's just play and work on shit. And you were, there, you were there most of the time, but I mean, you know, they were there. They were like diehard wanting to this learn. Is what, this is where I'm going with that is that actually these guys. <clears throat> <clears throat> their brains are different than mine. That's why Oleg and Craig are such fucking shredders because they put in the hours and right. Oleg has already talked about this several times in the episode, how much time he's put into the aspects of him being a guitar player where he is who he is today. I That's why their brains naturally dove into billiards after those situations because yeah. not only are they learning this from a dude that they're you know they had idolized before that tour but it's something else that's just as intricate as death metal guitar if you really break it down and go into other that you just like com compare it to other things like the in intricacies of the geometry of the table and all, how you hit the ball here, yep. how you pick the string there. It's all the same exact thing, dude. And, and so it's, it's the, that's why I'm different than those guys. I'm just saying I'm the vocalist that came in like, like a caveman, like, Oh, I'm going to whack it, dude. I'm going to whack it, dude. And see, I, I know how to whack it in that direction, dude. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do we got a new one? We got a new one now. I'm gonna whack it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like with pool, especially that was literally just like a just another compulsion that I like felt. I don't know inside that I decided to listen to. It was like, damn, I want to. I want to see like what I can do on the table. I want to see yeah. what's possible on the table. Yeah, it's weird. That's I. I can't really like rationalize it in any way. But definitely like. <clears throat> the time being spent doing something is massive. Um, I definitely would not be able to learn Severed Savior songs if I wasn't practicing them like seven hours a day leading up to the tour. Because um, that's, I don't know, maybe there's some people out there that can like, just with raw talent, just kind of like learn stuff and be able to retain parts and be able to kind of just flexibly jump around on their instrument like that. But I feel like anytime I undertake anything, I'm at level zero. And I just know that if I just keep at it with practice, that's mindful and attentive and constantly looking towards like the next goal and being out of my comfort zone, yeah. eventually I'll be able to maybe hack it through and then hopefully further than that. But yeah, yeah I mean, the, the pool hunger was real. Um, as soon as we were done with that tour, I like tried to constantly take out my friends to go play pool because pool's great, but you, it's really the best when like you have someone to share it with. Yeah. And after like half a year of like unsuccessfully finding a, a, a partner to play pool with, one of my 
close buddies from high school, Ilya, got very into pool right alongside with me. And uh, we eventually found like a, a pool hall that was near us where we both lived at the, at the time. And that was it. They had like, they had a monthly deal at one point where you just paid like 125 bucks for like a monthly, like unlimited, like pool time pass, which sounds like a crazy amount of money. But if you just go to a pool hall and spend five hours there, you're already paying like yeah. at 50 bucks just for table time alone. Yeah. So we were literally, we just like spend like 14 hours a day at that pool hall and make our money back within the first two days. And then the, for the next 28, 29 days, we were, we would just spend all day at the pool hall, just learning the table and, and what's possible. And I had to stop eventually because they stopped doing the pool hall special for 125 bucks. So just paying for table time is expensive, but also I wasn't playing any guitar at all. Like yeah. at all, <laughs> like it was just <laughs> all pool, um, which was sick. I mean, like it got to a point where I was like playing in tournaments and, uh, wound up getting like second place competing against a pro in a BCA league. Nice. Which, Jesus. Wow. Christ. Damn. But, uh, I, I played horribly that night too, because uh -huh. I had like a full day of work and then also played a show that night and then went to go play pool and it was just awful. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot. I realized at that point I was like, all right, I'm, I, I'm biting off way more than I can really chew in the long run. And, uh, I had to like get back to my roots playing music. <laughs> so hey, I haven't, I haven't like fully retired on pool. I still have my cues and I still go out and play every now and then, but definitely don't take it as seriously as I used to, because I just, I just obsess over things. Yeah. And like, yeah. Is billiards a thing over in Europe? I don't even know. Yeah. So they, they play something called snooker or snooker. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So we call Actually, we call it golf. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Luke from Gorguts uh, actually has been like very into snooker. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, my hat's off to him because that's it's smaller. Table. It's a bigger table and huge. It's a twelve foot table. The balls are smaller. There's way more balls, and it's a totally different game. And yeah. and the pockets are smaller. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like the size of, of like your tiny little ball, whereas like. <laughs> yeah. in, a regular pool table it's usually like somewhere between like one and a half to like two and a half uh pool balls width right so yeah it's it's insane there was yeah. just someone recently who broke a world record i think that like wound up uh sinking like 600 balls or something on a snooker table in mm -hmm. one in one go that's just that, that that's a level of accuracy that doesn't exist yeah. in like any discipline other than the pool table. <laughs> Whoa. 600 balls. No, it's <laughs> crazy. Mistakes? Like, Oh no man. Mistakes. And not only that, it's, it's not just getting the ball in the pocket. It's also setting up for your next shot every single so, time. So basically it's our clearing the table. How many balls are in? So, okay, uh, I think on a regular table, there's a game called, uh, it was either one pocket or straight pool. Someone just recently beat a record. It was like 700 balls. Straight sunk. pool. Straight pool, yeah. yeah. And you, it's 15, 15? Is it 15? Yeah. Yeah, 15 balls. It's like the same as an eight ball rack, but it's it's like a whole different set of rules. Um, wow. And you're supposed to like constantly like ride the wave between 
having a table like a, a setup of balls where it's hard for the other person to get balls into a pocket but you constantly kind of like keep chipping away and making it easy for you to sink balls it's like yeah. a weird offense defense type situation that's constantly fluctuating and for someone how, to long, just... how long does that take 700 balls oh well those are th that's when they're playing eight eight to 12 hours you know yeah. they're playing sets like if you had anybody's ever seen the movie the hustler mm -hmm. where they played for like a day and a half and that's the only way that fast eddie felson lost was not because he was an inferior player it was because he couldn't keep up with with uh what's his name uh uh jackie gleason's character he couldn't keep up with how much that dude could drink and was he, he couldn't play minnesota for fats? two days straight yeah minnesota fats so to play back into how you reference through movies, is this where you found billiards, Mike? This movie, The Hustler? No. Uh, oh, okay. At Winters, uh, when I was hanging out at Winters Tavern in Pacifica where we played the second show of that tour, um, there was a dude named Carlos who was a, uh, a former Marine, uh, but you'd never know it. He was like my size uh and he, you know, me and him kind of took a liking to each other and he confided in me that he was a very good pool player and I had to keep it a secret because good pool player, like really good pool players don't want anybody knowing that they're mm -hmm. good because mm -hmm. uh, that's how they can make money. Right. Um, and this dude knew the ins and outs and he learned from like a true pool hustler. Um, so he, he. I just fucked around. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but he recognized that I had some potential and he decided to take me under his wing and he showed me everything. Um, and uh, he eventually moved to Ohio with his girlfriend. And then I started hosting uh, a pool tournament every Thursday night at winners uh, BCA rules and did that for a year or two. Um, and then I'd go to the pool halls and win, win some and lose some. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, once you, once you get into it, like once you get the taste of it and, and you get obsessed with it, then you start watching all the movies. So there's, you know, the hustler, there's, uh, the sequel to the hustler called the color of money. And then pool there's junkies. uh pool hall junkies, That's uh, the one. which I think I showed you at my house, right? Didn't we watch that together? Yep. Um, it's not a great movie, but it, if you're a pool player, it's a great movie. So yes, wait, there's a lot of good, a lot of good pool shit in that movie. Did you guys? And the, play? the guy who the the main actor who also directed it and wrote it is a legit hustler. Like he's a really good pool player. So all of his shots were actually him. Oh, sick! That's like a, a, a an actor doing their own stunts, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so then wait, you know i bought a couple of uh, tour so you were, you were like shit. before tour you were showing him this you're like prepping him for tour like well, we're i gonna think go out and play pool i think i showed you pool hall junkies after the tour right oh, okay i think so yeah i can't remember exactly when you showed me a I bunch think, of stuff yeah but i showed you the, like the mika imminent uh instructional video that i had yeah um yeah I was I got way into it, but it, it you know my wrists are fucked up and and uh, pool like especially my bridge hand 
just holding a bridge properly. Uh, you know, you got to make these sometimes really weird fucked up angles and shit. And uh, it just, it destroys my wrists. So really? yeah. Yeah. I, I would always opt for uh, an open bridge because of those same reasons. Like I just mm. find a lot of bridge positions too painful. Yeah. Now, I also have like uh, tendonitis and carpal tunnel. Yeah. In both of my hands, but I've always kind of just like kept it cool and yeah. not stressed it in any way. Um, so yeah, for, like any closed bridge position, my, like my buddy Ilya that I mentioned earlier, he has kept up with pool and he's nasty on the table. He can easily run, uh, any rack and, uh, and he, he has fun while doing it, but he's always telling me like, you got to close your bridge. And, it's and like, I used to tell you that too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, it clo a closed bridge totally fucks my wrist up, but I'm a firm believer that it's it's the way to go. It's, yeah. it's the best it is, way to play, but it is the superior way to to arm your stroke for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you gotta you gotta care for your body. Yeah. More than anything else, so yeah. kind of go with the the cowboy route of, of playing with an open bridge. Well, at some point, you get to that point where it's like I'm getting too into this. You know, how far, you know, I'm never going to be fucking pro. I'm never going to be fucking Efren Reyes or anything, you know. Uh, do I even want to be a pro? No, because those those motherfuckers are playing 14 hours a day every day. That's their job. And you can never compete. You know, it's 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 one thing to be a, um, you know, just a, a, a somebody who can walk into any bar and pretty much beat everybody, but to go to an actual tournament and, and win, uh, that's a totally different thing. And I never got, I never got that serious into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also pool is very underground death metal in the sense that you have so much talent and hours and effort going into something that for one reason or another, doesn't have like the, the like, marketing yeah right production world behind it to like you know boost it to to something that it could be um but it's always there it's it's going to continue because of the passion of the the players and yeah people that are into it are just in it because they love it and that's ultimately what's the most important but yeah i i find a lot of parallels between the world of pool and death metal to take it back to death metal dude we haven't really talked about <clears throat> artificial brain too much like for people who are listening to this who aren't familiar with the project um to to me with the album that just recently dropped um because i i remember listening to uh the previous one before that but you know just cramming for the record and i mean for the record for the pot for the podcast and uh you know because i i have to compartmentalize my time so much as a dad and fucking full-time job blah 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 i did spend some time with the newest artificial brain and i you know with what i gathered you know just to like there's real I, i'm with like labeling things it's it's always hard for me but like the term black and death metal is always a thing that's said, but this is like the first time that I felt the deathened black metal aspect, like swap that around a little bit. And it's, 
it's it, a lot of black metal influence and the way it's like this second wave Norway feels that I get like this dissonance sitting outside of like moving forward from black metal yet. I, I it's post, it's not really post black. It's, I, I have a hard time labeling things basically with that, that I just said, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like everybody throws this blackened death metal thing, but this is like a, part where i'm like oh you can switch that around like this is a deathened black metal but also other different influences and elements to it as well but what i could just gather from my listening the last two days is yeah that's where i'm at with that and and it's actually sick dude and i like the human superhuman feel to this that, that like we were talking about click track earlier like I don't feel there's any click track on this album. Maybe there is, but I feel like it's just more of a feel thing. How you guys put it, laid it down. Well, thank you, man. Uh, I think I think there was click when when Keith was recording drums, but I think we all played to Keith's drum tracks, which you know, like he's a human and he's gonna not be like on the grid all the time. Some parts are gonna like veer towards a little quicker feel. Um, but yeah, in terms of it feeling human, it's funny you mentioned that because it's like the first album that was recorded totally remotely. Like all of us track parts separately. Um, because Dan, the main songwriter, he's been down in Virginia for like four years now. Keith, our drummer has been in Denmark for like three years or so. Um, mm. so everything was put together separately but we all unanimously feel like somehow on this album, it sounds like the most like what it sounds like when we're all in a room together, um, which in terms of vibe, like production quality wise, we've like, I've been seeing some people like talk about how it's muddy, but I don't, I don't think I, that's got to come from people who are like used to listening to stuff. That's just like only punched in because mm -hmm. to all of our ears, it sounds very like, like every instrument has its space in the sound. In I the can sound. hear everything in the mix. Yeah. No problem. There's a clear separation of two guitars. Nothing is double tracked. So like you just hear one track on one side, one on the other, bass in the middle, vocals in the front and in the middle, and drums everywhere. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 super sick to hear that you're down. And in terms of like the um, like the genre, you know, like it's it's great i feel like it's great to play music that's hard to categorize because yeah. that's kind of what it's all about right like if you can easily like identify something it's kind of just like all right well why is that <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time it's like arty Ar artificial brain always gets labeled as a tech death band and we've always found that as like a weird moniker because we all kind of like see ourselves as like a black metal band with like blast beats and gurgles that's uh, that's kind of how i that's i never would have labeled you guys as tech tech de tech death as you just saw how i tried to label you right. in that jumbled way of attempting <laughs> to say it but yeah no tech death is not the i mean i don't really like to push anybody in any direction because right. that, you know it's just like this is this is a project but these are the elements that i you know take from it and 
this is me trying to label it, but tech death is definitely not in there. Either way, it, it, it's probably because of the vocals over something that is different that they try and categorize it as. Because it is like, I'll say that the drum sound and the vocals kind of seem like they've been maybe taken out of like the slam feel of things like you know how that snare sounds and oh, and yeah. you know the vocals are obviously yeah. the gurgle bree bree breeze like the ringy but, snare yeah yeah um, yeah but then the guitars and the bass are all doing this you know black metal influenced dissonant um intricate and and creative epic kind of thing that's going in between that and that's why i want to say it's like a death and black metal situation yeah no i, I can totally vibe with that as a, as a label for sure and like uh with with like the gurgles and and keith's caveman style drumming we always try to like um at least with the like the drumming always try to push like a primal caveman aesthetic mm-hmm. and uh and try to like push the drums forward as an instrument of power more so than anything else. Obviously like creativity and like flow of rhythm is very important to all the parts, but ultimately it's like the drums need to be powerful. Like you can't, this is not the kind of music that can be played with like a soft hitting drummer, uh, and, no matter how fast I was, was going to just add about the drumming is that um, you can tell that um it's quality over quantity with your drummer because your drummer shows that he's capable of doing many things, but at times where you would think that he could, you know, blast this fast, he's actually more aesthetically playing, uh, you know, split time blast at this speed where he could, he could totally, he's capable of playing twice as fast, but I could see aesthetically the choices that, he or you know everybody had made as the project where it's like we don't need to go this fast we don't need to do this with this flooding base double base shit at this part like let's add some color and feel to this part versus just showing acrobatics you know absolutely and uh yeah i mean the the song always comes first and the thing i love about keith especially is that like he'll um oftentimes he'll listen back on what he's recorded and be kind of unhappy with it so whenever we play live he'll like switch parts up a little bit or throw in weird little flourishes that like there's been so many times where we play live together and i'll just hear something for the first time coming from keith and at first instinct your your like your ears brain is like okay something's wrong and then you turn over and you start grooving to it and you're like oh wait this is better than than what was ever played before so like songs always like tend to like grow over time live exactly i think uh just one of the coolest things ever is like putting on something and just being like this is different yeah Mm -hmm. and like wow like cool and that's that's how i feel like listening to the stuff today as well you know it's Mm -hmm. good just something that yeah it threw uh it threw a little monkey wrench in a good way and to like your thing like oh i haven't heard something like this in ever maybe 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so Dan, the other guitarist, one of the other guitarists, Dan Gargiulo, he's like the primary songwriter. And uh, I'm, I feel so blessed to work with him because he's like, is that the dude I met when I saw you guys play live years ago? You, you probably met both of the other dudes. Unless, the dude who was also a lefty. No, that so okay. That was John, John Locastro. Okay. John's been with the band since the since the inception as well. Uh, okay. But Dan has been like the the primary contributor and like the I guess he would be like the one of the main founding members as well. Um, but yeah, his his. So, song wait, 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 I got to stop you right now because I just realized something that I wanted to ask you earlier because that good on your parents for making sure that you got a left-handed guitar dude like i only was exposed to right-handed guitars and as a lefty who does everything left-handed i've had to learn how to play guitar right-handed because those were the only things that i was exposed to you know same thing with like a drum set set up for a right-handed guy i play drums right-handed even you though you play every- guitar and drums <laughs> i'm serious i've never seen you play either I can, I, okay can so i could play i could play some a pink floyd song i could play limp some other shit on, no no limp biscuit i can actually play like real songs but on a, a, those are, there's only like three or four songs i can play a few riffs from and then on drums i can fucking hold a beat dude what the fuck right well anybody can hold a beat i mean exactly not well, anyway. I, 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 I've never. I just never seen you play drums or guitar. I mean, honestly, I, I wish I started as a righty because everyone starts as at level zero anyway. I, I the only reason I chose lefty is because I was like, well, I I write with my left hand, so I might as well hold a pick with the left hand. But I don't feel like I'm any better for it. I, I don't have many instruments at my disposal. Like I have yeah. to like really, you know, scour. Yeah good instrument which i guess has led me to some like sick guitars but at the same time it's like i haven't tried a lot of instruments because i just so, well, i feel like the first time you played guitar where you did you play did you try to play one right-handed i don't think i ever did i just like immediately was like oh yeah i'm gonna hold the pick in my left hand so so i mean the first time you played a guitar you managed to play a left-handed guitar i don't think i ever tried playing guitar before my parents bought me one Okay, and they bought you a left-handed guitar. Exactly, what, yeah. What was it? What kind of guitar? It was like a starter Ibanez acoustic. It was like a oh, $200 okay. like Ibanez. Okay. Um, yeah. $200 is more than starter, dude. That's that's my experience with teaching. I used to have a school and stuff for like for for a few years and like I I noticed like like a lot of parents would actually kind of be like like they're like, oh, it's a kind of ambidextrous. Like he does this left-handed, this right-handed, or she, you know. And I'd be like, oh, interesting. And then there'd be some that just like, no, this kid like is only left-handed. Like every, you know. And it was like very clear that they had to play left-handed and stuff. And I mean, yeah, I, I guess I could see that only because I tried playing drums in the last few years, and I actually have an e kit which is not set up because I live on a fifth-floor apartment, and the impact vibration. <laughs> is just yeah, dope. totally. But uh, in the time I did spend playing it in my old place, uh, I tried to start with like a righty setup. Mm-hmm. And I was like, level zero, right? This, is, this should be fine. And after like six months trying to play with a righty setup, I realized like, no, I'm totally geared to a lefty kit. Uh, yeah. Because like I, I feel like anytime I like play like, like roles, like going, going down the, the toms, like playing singles, 
it yeah. feels so weird starting with my right hand. Sure, sure. And yeah. I feel like I'm constantly playing on like the offbeat because my left yeah. hand is like feeling the one more like offbeat. Like starting with my left, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I haven't like set it up as a lefty kit yet. Um, what if you put like a, a, a piece of uh, wood on top of like two yoga mats and then you wouldn't be able to like send it oh. down to your neighbor? I I went deep uh, into research on this and yeah, use uh, tennis like, balls. The like, only way to like truly get the most soundproof setup is to use tennis balls and create like a like a this like isolation spongy, like a yes. spongy isolated platform yeah. just for your for your bass drum and like I guess the kick kick pad setup, um, and then and that's basically it. But that I don't know. I'm like kind of lazy. And I also don't yeah. really have space for it currently in my spot to like have a like a, a partner room for for the kit. But I if I were to do it in New York City, that's not for walls too. That's just for underneath. Yeah. So yeah. like walls, I guess like the like the the loudest sound would be like the plastic symbols, which you could just like hear that more than anything. Oh yeah, the taffin. Yeah. 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 But are you still in Brooklyn? I'm in Queens now. Just okay. Like I originally moved over here uh, to be closer to work, and then the pandemic happened, and I've been working remote ever since. At, at some point, you need to talk about your stint doing fucking like high rise construction. Okay. All right. Hold Please. on. Hold, hold that thought. I'm gonna use the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. That's all good. This motherfucker, like, after... well, don't give away. The, don't give away the, the. I'm just saying what I know. Oh, okay. okay. That's all I know. I just know right. what I know. He he was fucking like after the tour he was working like doing like you seen those old black and white photos of motherfuckers like with no safety harnesses up on like a steep like a steel girder eating lunch and shit. Lunch, he was yeah. doing that. He was fucking wow, like dude. up on like high rise buildings being fucking. Dude, I watched like, those videos of dudes shit. like looking down on the edge or like parkouring and all that shit, and it makes my like it makes my yeah. feet. And my hands, like electricity, starts to go off, and my feet start to sweat and shit, dude. Oh yeah, dude, I, I trip out too. You see the guys that fall too; it sucks. It sucks. Well, I know. I don't see those. I can't even get. I would not be able to muster up the courage to watch that man fall. It's bad. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, dude. I don't know. Like, I have a lot of friends that like. I don't know if you guys climb at all. I don't climb, but it's like people get gnarly with that too. Even uh, Nicole that was on recently, you know, yeah, she, she's she's she does like ice there. ice climb ice whatever it's called ice yeah ice yeah. climbing dude ice climbing yeah it's called ice climbing yeah uh, she's way more savage than me dude savage. I can't I can't handle yeah I don't like heights that type of shit Fuck heights shit. are definitely but see the thing is that I'm down with roller coasters no problem I'm strapped in I'm good because <laughs> what do you guys I, 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 I know what you mean about that yeah you know, are you guys have roller coaster shit too I, but, i'm not into i'm not into that you know what i hate I love roller coasters i hate airplanes huh? dude. i love Troy, roller coasters yeah yeah down. put me on the biggest tallest fastest most break your neck one yeah absolutely yeah nice. put me on that put me as on a that. as a kid i climbed everything the problem is i would climb up stuff and then not be able to get down like yeah dude, <laughs> that was the worst part is like i'd climb up a hill i'd climb a tree i'd climb a building and then it'd be like oh fuck Get down. I'm gonna break like my cat. neck. Like I'm gonna How break a leg or something. Yeah. Dude, have you heard of that guy who you know that like mound in like where is it Wyoming or something? There's like this like flat rock in the sky like got stuck up there. Like like the Devil's Tower. 
Yeah, dude, that's it. That's from and, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Sure. The, the, the end of the movie, the whole fucking point of the movie was the dude was seeing the Devil's Tower like in his mind, Whoa. and he knew he had to go there, and then when he finally did, that's when the aliens came. I think I've actually Fuck watched it. that. <laughs> that movie, Fuck dude. it, it's a whole other story. <laughs> so All right, let's... <laughs> No, but a guy like back in the sorry that I can't reference oh, that movie oh. in my mind directly right, right now. And, Close uh, encounters. About, it, never right, give me a David Lynch reference and I'll fucking roll with you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my recent shit, okay? We old, Mike. We I old. Sorry, T. Not recent shit, my every forever shit, but all also recent. Yeah. Can I can I just say this fucking age thing is not cool? Like right. the whole the aging thing. Oh like, yeah, it sucks. You're like Oleg is still 22, as far as I care. <laughs> right, like, right, right. All I know is 22. I'm still like fucking 28, 29. When, but when we all when we all get uh, together, yeah, no doubt, dude. You do get rewound back to that time. That's I for think, sure. I, I always like I was talking to my coworker today. I was like, yeah, dude, we're having uh, Oleg on, and you know, he was just as old as you because this guy just turned 21, and I I was just making a guess dude I, I i didn't even know if you were 21 yet mm -hmm. i was like you're just 21 and you're like telling me tonight oh i was i just turned 21 right before i was like motherfucker it is exactly the same but it is it, it's all memories guys like what's what's burned into our brains and and how many times we go back and try and remember these things like that's what keeps them fresh and yes i do remember Oleg. I'm just saying it's not cool, the whole aging thing. Like, <laughs> no one. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in aging. I, yeah, I it's feel yeah. like I'm still 16, and I'm I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna well, die by it. They need well, to when we talk about these things, you're not aging though. We're right yeah. back where we're at. Exactly. Right, right. I think in my mind, every couple of years, like every two, maybe three years, like I get a year older. So yeah, I still think I'm 32. Yep, those years go by like every month or two. <sighs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, I man. still think I'm 32, and then I'm like, why do I hurt like this? <laughs> well, the best one, the best is when you turn like 30 and you're like, oh, I'm old now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's not funny anymore when you're 40. You're like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no one's laughing now, dude. What the hell? Yeah, no, I, I'll say that what's telling me I'm aging, Troy, is, yeah, I'm with the aches and pains thing, and uh, just watching my kids age. That's a fast one, dude. From fucking birth to 10, you're like, whoa. You fucking <laughs> sprouted up, dude. You're almost, he's oh, almost yeah, looking at crazy. he's almost looking yeah. at me in my eyes, dude. I'm five seven. <laughs> Damn. And he's like already creeping up to be looking right at me, standing <laughs> up. I'm like, yo, it's what funny. the fuck just happened? Nicole, if you were five six, he'd be like, I'm five six full of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> he will be. He'll be he'll be full of tricks, dude. I gotta be ready for those tricks, dude. I'll just have to fucking and Trevor's gonna be having a girlfriend fucking couple years dude, it's now. right around the corner dude nope. it's right around the corner dude yep. yeah <laughs> all right oleg tell us about your fucking uh your your high-rise fucking skyscraper construction shit that came out of Our nowhere project. yeah so yeah. this this is actually like a perfect segue because um after i realized that spending all my time in a pool hall was doing me no good in my life um I was like, all right, well, I need, I need like a, like a real steady gig. Cause I, I don't know. I was just always like, um, undecided with what I wanted to dedicate. Troy, mute. I was always undecided with what I wanted to dedicate most of my time to music 
wouldn't seem like the obvious choice, but I always uh, kind of like live by the belief that I need to keep this my passion and not like my main profession. Otherwise, I would just burn out because I know my obsessive personality and it wouldn't work out. So my dad was working in the carpenters union and he was like, hey, I can uh, I can get you a job if you're serious about it. You have to commit and it's not easy and it's hold on, brutal. Hold on. He has a, a Russian accent, right? Okay, oh, yeah. repeat, repeat that, but with the Russian accent. Well, he probably told me all this in Russian because I speak to my parents. Okay. So go ahead, do it. In Russian? Yeah, and then translate for us. <laughs> uh, let's see. What would be the exact thing that he said? Probably He's from Belarus, like, by the way. Well, my mom is. Oh, my I dad. My dad's kind okay. of more of like an Eastern European mutt. So I guess okay. I'm like a, a mutt of Eastern Europe as well. But my dad would probably say something like, And which that would translate to like, you were literally doing nothing with your life and you need to get serious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, like my parents were always very supportive with music, but they never saw it as like a, like, you know, like okay that's a bonus but you need to like survive sure. like provide yeah, for for a future wife and all that all that jazz but i was like you know what let me see what construction's all about let me see what it's like uh with manual labor and like really really going at it and uh yeah i've i feel like i've always had a fear of heights which is ironic because i was eventually like swinging off of like 800 foot incomplete walls of like a skeleton of a skyscraper and I can like see like hundreds of miles in every direction. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it was very brutal. The first like six months or so, I didn't even like really know how to, how to hammer a nail, let alone do it like all day long and operate a whole bunch of power tools and just basically just be in danger all day. <laughs> uh, there was a time where I've like, hammered my my index fingernail completely off it would you know it went all black with blood um people were like hey just drain it and i was like what kind of psycho would put a needle in their fingernail um so i just let it go it eventually fell off and then grew back again um i stepped on a nail this big one time and it, just, it went right through my boot and my foot um yeah, there were a lot of like close calls as well. Like I remember, so okay, I worked in I guess just to give everyone a like a a, a background. I worked in concrete carpentry, which is very rough. There's no like finished details, uh, but I worked specifically on staircases. So I built like the negative space around a concrete staircase. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the way you make concrete anything is that you create the the like casing. And then the concrete gets poured in. So right. uh, my dad's like definitely a genius because he just learned how to make uh, like concrete staircase molds by himself just by like reading books. And um, and apparently like there's like a severe shortage of, of stair guys in the concrete world. So sure. it was crazy to like learn all that stuff directly from him because I, I don't know how anyone can like just just show up to a job and be like, all right, give me these pieces of wood, these types of nails, a couple other tools here and there. And I'll make, 
I'll make the negative space of a concrete staircase for you. Uh, Two-year two blueprint details, nonetheless. But it was uh, it was brutal, and I learned a lot. Um, like I don't know how those guys in the trades do that stuff for like thirty years straight. Because I was there for just under two, and I quit because I just I projected myself mentally forward and being like can I really do this for the next 30 years and then just retire and then live out the rest of my life? And I was, I had to be brutally honest with myself. And the answer was hell the fuck. No, this is complete. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like you're just using your body for total like wage labor right. uh, for someone else. And like all those guys, like they all have health problems. They're like breathing in concrete dust all the time back right. like left and right i was still trying to be active musically and i was like getting hurt all the time um i was in the best shape of my life that's for sure because i was constantly like being at the gym all day every day but, but being injured in the process but yeah at the same time i was grinding my fucking physical body down um and the pay was great too but it was uh, it was definitely more of a learning experience than anything because it taught me like the value of hard work, how much people go through to like sacrifice for their children. Like a lot of those guys were just there because they had families to feed, and that was like their last resort. And uh, it was a very big eye opener. And it was like, okay, so my parents are immigrants. They came here. They had to like basically change their lives entirely. My dad was not a carpenter back in the Soviet Union. But when he moved over here, this is what landed for him. And he basically sacrificed his whole life to learn a new trade so that he can put food on the table for me mm -hmm. and to give me the opportunity to not have to do that. And here I was a partner working side by side along him. And ultimately I felt like that's like, like a, a meta slap in the face to him. Like mm -hmm. if I'm his partner in construction, why did he do all that? To do you just... think he saw it that way? Well, he didn't at first because like since we worked as partners, I had to like basically, you know, confront him and be like, hey, I'm I think I'm gonna quit. So you need to find a new partner and also like I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah. And he was obviously super pissed. My dad is a very strict dude, very like classic hard ass dad. He's like a very much like a red foreman from that 70s show like times a thousand you know yeah, um, dumbass so, yeah like he, he was not like he at first did not see eye to eye with my decision to quit he was like wow like you're really you're really backing down from this like you have all these guys doing this and but i think once i like laid it out to him the kind of the same way i just did to you guys is like he literally sacrificed so many years of his life to put himself through that so that i wouldn't have to and and yet there I was working alongside him. I think that was like what put it into perspective for him. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I, I did sacrifice a lot. <laughs> so like right, find, right. find a better way to live and like support yourself. Um wow, so yeah. That's cool. So and I just jumped into another random industry in, in film and TV. Now I work in accounting. Yeah. Hey, whatever pays the bills so you could do you could slice off that part of your life where you can do your art dude totally yeah for sure and and now it's gonna take you, you what we've all talked about it's gonna take you to europe right now dude that's fucking yeah. sick dude dude i i cannot 
wait, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get reckless. <laughs> yeah, dude. So how long are you guys going to be out there? Uh, it's going to be like a, like a three week tour. Like I think like exactly 21 days. And who are you guys going on? Uh, we're flying out on the seventh. So like next Thursday, and then we have a couple of days of rehearsals and then, uh, I think 12th is our first show. Where do you fly into? We're flying into Denmark, which is where our drummer has been for years. Okay. So we have like a couple of days with him. He's like an hour South ish of Copenhagen and our first shows in Copenhagen. Nice, dude. I got to it one time. It was great. It's really cool. Why don't you list off uh, some of the dates where you guys are going to be playing? Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me before I become a, a bumbling fool with a bunch of us and ums, like I said I'd be. Let me pull up some. Dates so here. far, you've been great without those, dude. You've been doing rad. No, I know I'm not living up to the expectations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. So I can tell you off the top of my head while I'm still searching. Uh, first show Denmark and we're hitting up Sweden Gothenburg which I'm very excited about because that's just like such a such a home to to extreme metal uh, yeah mellow death you're going right through that yeah realm right my, there. Uh, my ex lives in Gothenburg you're probably going to see her there she's into the scene so oh yeah yeah I'll, oh, tell, I'll tell her Mike Gilbert sends yeah. his best most wildest regards. Yeah, it's gonna are, go over are well. You sing, you. Are you a single man, Oleg? Uh, I am. Yeah. Oh. As of as of somewhat recently. All right. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna say okay. uh, maybe might if it's okay with you that X might be down, dude. Oh, Mike sex. Talking about Just joking. Just jokes, guys. Just joshing. Just joshing around. Okay, here we go. Bringing up some dates here. Or so I, or so I thought. What's going on? Okay, here we go. So we got Denmark, Sweden, back to Denmark. We're going to take one of those European ferries back over. Okay. And then we got two days in Poland. Then we're going to be in Slovakia, which is a first for me. Like I'm very excited to see that. We're going to be in Austria, Vienna, uh, Prague, Czechia, Slovenia. After that, another brain buster for me. Also, uh, I'm pretty sure that show is going to have like, it's like a couple of these shows have turned into uh, fests with a bunch of bands, more so than just us and Devoid of Thought, who's going to be the band from Italy touring with us along this entire route Can't really worry. sick dudes they've also been helping out logistically with a bunch of the tour stuff which is just like ultimate thanks because yeah. that that stuff is not easy to deal with Dude, um, that that sounds like you're gonna have a fucking blast bro yeah after I, that we're gonna be hitting italy for a couple days and then germany netherlands france and then germany for a final date well part of italy we're gonna be in Milan, Rome, and Bologna. Dude, you got so many opportunities to see some great parts of this planet, dude. I hope you're taking advantage of it if you can. Yeah, we're gonna have a couple of off days here and there, and um, I think I speak for all of us 
when I say that we're, we're trying to, you know, see as much as we can. Like, right. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think we're going to try to sleep those days off or anything. We're going to, we're going to be out and about. I like, I, I love trekking it. I remember when we actually, um, bringing it back to the Severed Saber tour, me and James walked 40 minutes in one direction in Las Vegas during the day. Mm. And 115 was, degrees. It was like 115, no exaggeration. <laughs> and, like I, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> that was before I got there, dude. Cause I, if you, I don't know if you remember, I, I flew in after you guys were already there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we were there for like three or four days at least. Right. Yeah. In Vegas already that long before you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, we're with Troy. I, how could you guys stay in Vegas for more than two nights, dude? That's wild, dude. I can't. That place pulls everything out of me after two nights. Well, I, I figure Troy might have the best answer for that as someone who is uh, spending a good amount of time there. <laughs> practice. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of practice. Not, not being a party animal, not a gambler. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, uh, dude. Side note, anybody who isn't a degenerate gambler that's listening to this and you want to go to Vegas and not lose as much money, don't fucking gamble. Boom. It's a fucking easy hack. Like I've I last two times I went to that place, didn't put a dime in a machine, didn't fucking sit down at any card tables. I felt so much better. And guess what? I saw some sick shows and ate better food. Like after yeah. you lose a bunch of money, then you start eating at fucking Taco Bell and fucking whatever. <laughs> Like, no, go have a fucking steak and yep. drink some fucking wine and, and have a good time. Like, that's that's where my money's going when I go to Vegas now, dude, is dope food, a show or two, like, you know, the sick shit. Like, what was it? Absinthe. That was a sick show. Not too expensive. Fucking dope. Where was that? Either way, eat your uh shit. I can't remember what was in it was in front of. It was a small little like circus tent, dude, but it's the most raunchy fucking like actually sick like circus type show. You're gonna see acrobatics and all this crazy shit, but it's no it, there's no uh boundaries without it's also that. like burlesque too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely no boundaries and lots of sexual innuendos and yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, fuck all that shit. Take me to <laughs> Vegas, I'm going straight to the fucking tables. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hours. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Fuck but dude, all the other saw, shit. And then you lose two hundred bucks in the first fucking hour you're there and you're and then that's in bucks. the back. That's it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 200 bucks is fucking a lot of money, bro. I, yeah, on. but <laughs> when you're in fucking Vegas, you're there to fucking gamble, dude. Uh, yeah, but I'm saying 200 go bigger, bucks go is home. a dope dinner somewhere else, you know? There, nah. is, there is something to be said about those like wild, crazy Dan Kenny party gamble nights, you know, because you got to do that to experience, right? But Yeah, and we've all had those. That's what I'm saying. I only, I chased it one time and I actually, you know, had a good weekend. But then after that, it's never happened again. So I'm like, fuck that, dude. I don't need the, the monkey on my back, which is the money that I lost as soon as I got here. I'm just going to shed that monkey and I'm going to fucking go have my wad of cash that I know I'm going to lose and I'm going to lose it the way I want it now. That's I, I was always way too intimidated to actually like go up to any table, which I, I think I like went up to like a couple tables in 
Vegas when we were there, and then uh, Shreveport when we showed up, which is like a weird little Vegas in the in the southeast of the U.S. <laughs> right, right, right. All our, I remember, all our... Go ahead. I, I just remember like losing sixty bucks within like five minutes at the blackjack tables, and I was like, yeah. "Well, I'm done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I can remember from Shreveport was that fucking dude with the epic mustache who was pitting like this. And oh, you know what I'm talking about? At, you guys that talking about at the venue at the Tiki Bar. Yeah, dude, that that place was amazing. Just in terms of vibe, I mean, it was literally a Tiki Bar, and it, of course, it had a pool table because this was the the pool tour of the century. <laughs> yeah, and there was no stage. Right? No stage. Yeah, we were eye level with the crowd, which yep. I, I personally love. But some, some do you guys, do you guys remember hitting uh, the jazz spot next door before we played? And it would there was a blind bass player or some shit, blind keyboard player. One of the guys was blind, and it, and it was just New Orleans jazz, though. It was literally right before. Was that was that in Shreveport? I think it was, dude. Speaking of New Orleans, it wasn't uh, Nola. It wasn't Nola. It wasn't Bourbon Street, like where we were, where we almost didn't play because we were we showed up like a fucking debaucherous mess. I'd like to hear Oleg describe our, our day in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, the first word that comes to mind is sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like 95 that's, that's the degrees, first one. full, full humidity, like a hundred percent humidity, 95 degrees at like 9 PM. So never, like, never experienced air that thick where you feel like you're swimming we, through air. We got absolutely yeah. blasted. In New Orleans, we started our day at like 10 a.m. drinking those. Uh, the, oh, they were like the, either the grenades or the turtle. It was the grenade. It was the it. It, it was all that. It was that place called it had turtle in the name, and it I was, think we it, were it drinking like the some, grenades. Some drink Everclear size that was like Everclear mostly, and like some like pineapple liqueur. Um, and that was us at 10 a.m. Yeah. And uh, a bad start. Honestly, I mean, like I had a great time. My memory is a little hazy because of like how much we drank that day. But I remember mm -hmm. uh, Murray got a gun pulled on him, I believe. Mm -hmm. and, and then that was at the way, end. Right? That was after the show. That's the very end. That's the finale, dude. Yeah. So I'm remembering. Um, I'm I'm <laughs> I, like browning out through the day and. Um, I remember being at like a witchcraft store. I remember James wearing all pink. What was he? Was he wearing pink? James, James was shorts? wearing. Oh. He was wearing booty shorts that on the back said. Uh, <laughs> what did it say? Who dat? Who dat? Across his ass, and he was wearing a pink tank top with a sachet like you like miss america would wear and i don't remember what it said across of it across yeah. it and <laughs> it was, yeah it he had like, like a, a headband on <laughs> had a headband on and doing uh, his balls uh, were always sticking out of the booty shorts I right remember that. right right and oh, yeah. uh doing the calisthenics while doing, the cars are going by doing, and... doing the david lee roth kicks all day <laughs> yeah and then I remember like a witchcraft store. I remember many a bars. I remember eating uh, alligator burgers, mm -hmm. gator yep. burgers. 
Murray got a Gator Burger. I got the jambalaya. I think we was shared it, good? it. Yeah, it was great, dude. Hmm. I remember it was so the good. Burger. Well, the it thing was... with Gator is like it's super lean, so they have to mix it with sausage and other shit. So it's really not fully a Gator patty that you're eating. It's mixed in there, but it it was delicious, dude. I remember oh. getting the jambalaya. Murray got the Gator Burger. We like shared it. Ah, oh, dude, hitting those. That was that's another thing too. Like. I'm I'm an eater, dude. I like to eat. So if I'm gonna go to a place, I want to eat their shit. You know, I want to eat the crawfish. I want to eat the alligator. Yeah. Absolutely. Where else are you gonna eat alligator, dude? Yep. No, absolutely. You gotta eat when you're on tour. Some of the best pizza I've ever had was in Toronto. Believe it or not. Right. And that's hey. coming from someone who grew up in Brooklyn, which apparently yeah. has has the right water for pizza. Same thing for me in Hawaii. Some of the best pizza I've had in is in in, in twenty five thousand or twenty five hundred miles out in the Pacific Ocean on an island. <laughs> you know, it, it's just wherever that experience happens. Like somebody just knows what they're doing behind the scenes. They gave you, they give you a sick album, dude. That's yeah. what, that's what it is, dude. Experience this album. Yeah. All right. Where where are we at, guys? We're almost. You said we're almost three hours, dude. Oh damn! I'm just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We're just getting the ball rolling. I'm looking for that picture of James. So, Oleg, what's your favorite Savior Savior song to play? Ooh, honestly, the one that was the biggest pain in the ass, I think, wound up being the most rewarding, which is probably mm-hmm. "Fuck Humans." Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. great song, dude. Yeah, I love that one's got a lot song of, too. Got a lot of ups and downs in terms of like feel and, and syncopation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always a, a blast playing live. Well, that was like my first recorded song that I heard. Well, no, actually, no, that was my first song ever because Dusty was like, go check out my band, mp3.com. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, check out my band <laughs> uh, and uh I, I don't know if it was like oh most popular song or whatever, but I think we just listened from you know track one. Mm-hmm. That's what starts off Forced to Bleed. That was the only thing that was out then. So I'll always like have a connection with for uh did I say force to bleed? You said force to bleed, yeah. Fuck, I'm talking about fuck the human. Sorry, and uh, because that's what starts off forcibly. Yes, EP, right? Yes. Okay, yes. sorry. Yeah. So that's like my first time actually listening to Severed and being able to play that song. Always, uh, I have I have a connection with it just because that was like the first one that I fully listened to through. Because I just kept on listening to the EP. Mm-hmm. Was it just the EP? No, forcibly it's the whole. There, there's well, eight tracks on, on that shit. It's on. It's on the uh, Servile as well. Yeah, we already went through this. It's the first three songs is the new shit, and then the last five are the for our first EP. Yeah, that's the that's the extra tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, the bonus tracks <laughs> start after track three. But yeah, fuck the humans is great to play and then if i had to choose like a runner-up it would probably be inverted and inserted i don't know why i just that one's just so much fun to play 
Yeah. Do you ever play any of those songs anymore? Ever? I haven't played a Severed Savior song probably in like nine years. Well, because I think Inverted and Inserted, uh, that one and Servile, I remember putting up a cover for after the tour because okay. that that wasn't part of like my like uh like audition to like send you videos yeah. I, I remember just like still being tight on those songs and like you know wanting to play more of them so i just wound up recording them and then uploading them but yeah it's been a while i i don't remember how to play them i'd have to like sit down and like really like dive back into it but that's also uh like a caveat is i feel like my memory is just dog shit well, like not just that, like it, the amount of stuff that you learn and play, and that's kind of like how you, you yeah. move. There's, there's, only, like, there's, there's only so much RAM in here. I have totally. to like, I have to like shove things aside to like other hard drives that I wind up losing. Um, totally. But I'm sure that if I like looked over the tabs for an inverted and inserted, it'd be like, oh yeah, okay. And then like the muscle memory would start to like kick in. Cause that like a lot of the severed savior stuff felt like so, um, like conducive to, to like the flow of just, I don't know, just maybe it's because I spent so much time practicing those songs, but it, they feel very like, I don't know, ergonomic or like, uh, natural to like, I don't know, just where my hands are going to go. Um, killer. Yeah. That's a know. that's a cool thing, huh? To hear Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was it was very flattering to see somebody, you know, that um stoked on being part of the band and uh somebody so focused and determined to play shit, but not just play, you know. One of the things I always try to instill on the you know the several second guitarists that we've had are that yeah you have to learn the notes that you know that's a given but it's not just about learning the notes it's about making the notes sound right and oleg was always very uh open to how can i make this you know sound better how do i play it exactly correctly um so yeah it was always great uh working with oleg uh, cause he was very inspiring. You know, it made me want to play the shit more and better. So. Yeah. Mike, you, you totally, uh, opened my eyes when it comes to like, uh, my picking hand and, uh, like the Aldi Miola style of like outside picking. Uh huh. So either, either everything is strictly alternate pick, or if you're playing stuff in odd groupings, it's outside picked, meaning, Everywhere where your 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 picking hand goes stroke wise, it's always in the direction of where the next pick stroke is gonna be. Yep. So like if you have some kind of like a, a two note sequence, one note per string, let's say you're just holding a power chord, right? Like third fret on one string, fifth fret on the string above. If you start that on an upstroke with the lower string. When you go up to the higher string, you're kind of you're like your hand is forced to travel more yeah. to just even hit that string. And then yep. the same can be said for the next pick stroke after that. You have to like go back in the opposite direction. Whereas if you were to start on downstroke, 
your hand is already going in the direction of the upper string to kind of pick up where that is and and you know add infinitum as you're playing those kind of patterns and that's just like a, a super simplified version but there are a bunch of riffs in severed savior especially in like the second half of question i remember very specifically i would always do this weird like economy picking thing where i'd kind of like sweep through a couple of strings but it wouldn't carry forward the rhythmic intensity that is required of that part to sound good yeah so like strictly alternate picking in those kinds of situations where you just have like so many like shapes that, that span a number of strings like your hand's not going to be able to make sense of like what's the best way to like stay on like the ergonomic spectrum so the best way to do it is just alt pick all of that yep. and and like force like the flow of the rhythmic pattern over what you're playing and and like that kind of stuff really gave me like a whole new perspective on how to like master dynamics and flow with like weird riffs and i like it, that yeah, yeah i like that term ergonomic ergonomic spectrum yeah <laughs> yeah, dude. So yeah and I, it's, it's i mean it's yeah. like it's all it's all related to that but also like the idea of it behind it is not just like the the mechanics and technique is like mm -hmm. what serves the the parts musically no hell yeah because that's that's, that's, that's ultimately it. what's the most important thing so like your technique yeah. should come secondary to to what is important in the song yeah but, nice. but that's translated so much into like artificial brains playing as well because a lot of what we play is like arpeggiated stuff and oftentimes in threes so you have like these odd note patterns where if you were to just like alternate pick everything you'd wind up with like a weird area where you have to reset the the pick pattern and it's always done where like musically it's supposed to so whether that be at like the start of the next measure, but usually it's like following like uh, the melodic phrasing first and foremost. So yeah, you thank you so much for. Oh, of course, I mean I you know I I've I've never been like a I would never consider myself ever having like been a guitar teacher or anything. Um, I've only taught when people have asked me to um which is few and far between or you know when when trying to train uh a second guitarist for mini tours or tours or whatever and um oleg is definitely if if i want you know if we can consider you my student uh oleg oleg was the best student i've ever had um yeah he you know fuck by the time we were we were playing those shows on tour he was playing everything as good as i could and uh uh, yeah, it was great. Never, never, I've never had that, uh, the, you know, not just, uh, not just did we get along on, on such a personal level, get along so well on such a personal level, but musically as well. And that you really, um, paid attention to the fine details, um, like I did and that you, it wasn't just a, you know, if I, if I said, okay, yeah, you're shredding that part. You're playing it great, but you know, it doesn't sound right. And if I, you know, when I nitpicked you, you didn't see it as like, this guy's just being fucking super picky and nitpicking me. Uh, right. you saw it as a learning experience to improve, which is all I ever was trying to 
convey or try to to help you with and you picked it all you know you took everything to heart and um and really practice it you know everything i said you listened and and not that i'm fucking yoda or anything but you know uh you know for for the songs that i wrote i knew how i wanted them to sound and how i played them to make them sound that way and uh you know it wasn't like uh there was never a point where oleg would say well, I'm playing it correctly and it's to me it sounds right, so I'm just going to keep playing it the way I play it. No, he would he would ask, you know, say okay, so how, you know, this are you doing it up, you know, double down and up or are you, are you doing it, you know, is your hand a little more you know, parallel with the strings or are you doing it more, you know, this angle and he was very into the mechanics and and the science of playing, which I always appreciated. Um and like I said earlier when when I was saying that he's the consummate professional, um, you know, I really mean it, you know, he was, uh, down to play this shit the way we intended it to sound, uh, and worked at it until he got it. And it did not take long. I mean, he very, very quickly was able to pick up on stuff. And even after the tour, I remember, um, you know, he stayed with me for like a week after the tour and, you know, he didn't have to play the severed shit anymore. And he was learning like a, a periphery solo, like the was it periphery album had just come out and what's his name? Wes. Yep. Wes Hauk. Think, yeah. Wes Hauk had a solo on one song, like a guest appearance. Yep. It and, was, uh, is the song called mile zero. Okay. And, yep. and I remember Oleg showing me the solo and he's like, I'm going to learn this. I'm like, okay. And I remember, you know, I was playing games or something and he would just sit there for fucking hours playing the solo. What was the game? What was the game? Uh, I don't know. At that time, uh, it was probably call of duty or something. I don't remember. Oh, uh, is that far back? Call of yeah, duty? Yeah. Well, I mean, this back? was, yeah, this was, you know, 2012 and, uh, I'm, all right. 10 years ago. Just, you know, hearing him play, like I, I, I got fuck. It got to the point where, you know, even though I'm just as obsessive as he is with something, uh, practice it until I get it right. I wanted to fucking smack that, that whatever you were listening to it on your phone or something. I just want to throw your phone across the fucking house because <laughs> I'd heard that solo he was working on so many fucking times. It was making me nauseous, but, yeah. but every time he played it, he got it even closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like me, he was very into the intricate details of playing it, how it was recorded, you know, how it sounded. He wasn't just playing his version of it. And he was, you know, fucked by the end. Uh, once he got it down, it sounded exactly like the fucking CD and he was playing along with it. You know, he played along with it a few times and it sounded exactly right. And then he moved on to something else. And I think the next song he moved on to was a, uh, defeated sanity song. It was. And, and, that next song was the hardest song I ever learned in my life. But you really? got it down in like two days. Like he, he fucking, <laughs> it, and, and I remember like years later and it wasn't even, even, it wasn't even that long ago. It was maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago. I was talking to Lilla from uh defeated sanity. Yeah. And I think he had posted that they were looking for another guitarist. Uh, and I was just like, dude, you know, Oleg that played with us in 2012, this dude, like I've never like, the way he picks up shit and how much he loves your band, you should fucking talk to this guy. And I, and I, I think I sent Oleg 
a text or something. I'm like, dude, defeated Sandy's looking for another guitarist. You should fucking do it. And you were like, oh, I, I can't because of this and and whatever. Uh, it, I, I think you were on tour with fucking artificial brain or something at the time. But um, it trips me out about Lola because he did the guitars on the new album as well as the drums. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah L- Lila is secretly like, like literally a fucking living legend, like, a, like a, a God amongst men. Well, his dad Wolfgang too is a fucking secret legend as well, dude. He was a, like a jazz drummer before all this shit. Yep. Yeah. It was like, there's an, I, I forget what is it? Our Aria or I, I forget what the name of actually your What's your shirt say? Ari. It's not that. No, no. I, I can see the, the way it looks like that. It might be in uh like mirrored right now. It's A R E A or right. some shit like th- some shit like that. But he like drummed on some shit and his drums are sick as shit. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly why Lilla plays the way that he does, because his dad came from that background. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I remember seeing Lilla uh play guitar the first time and he did a playthrough with it was him on guitar on like an Ernie Ball music man and Jacob, their bassist, alongside him. And they're just doing a live playthrough of the album or sorry, the song Psalms of the Moribund. Mm-hmm. Lula plays the guitar like a fucking world class musician. He's barely moving his his pick, uh, his hands like all of, all of his motions are perfectly like calculated to play exactly what the like the motion requires and that's it and it was like such a such a an experience to like see him see the drummer of the band play the riffs more competently than like most guitarists um right 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 but it all came mostly comes from his brain too right he's soul or main not main but like he's the most contributor with the music maybe oh yeah. i don't know what am i talking about he's right the now? primary songwriter for yeah there you go it was definitely uh i believe a communal effort between him and his father up until uh part way through chapters and i think he his dad he may have included like one or two of his dad's riffs on the album after that on passages into the formity but um that'd yeah. be a- That'd be a really cool person to interview is his dad, dude, RIP, just because that that bridge from what I'm talking about, where he was this like fusion drummer, like Mahavish New Orchestra influence type drummer. If I remember correctly, just off the top of my head, that's what that project reminded me of was like Mahavish New and and um and he was doing that in like the seventies and shit. And you're like, what the fuck? What 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 bridged this man to this extreme, brutal, technical style of guitar riffing? Like he was this drummer back then. Uh-huh. Now he's writing these riffs with his son on drums. You're like, whoa! <laughs> I want to hear that chunk. I want to hear the be- the in between chunk of that. You know. Yeah, I honestly I have no idea what that in between looks like because like I, I totally understand the the like uh what's the word bewilderment 
that like mm-hmm. you know yeah. you, like you have like jazz fusion which can get crazy in its own right in many different ways but the type of crazy that defeated sandy gets into uh is like on an extreme spectrum that is unparalleled like some of their stuff i mean honestly like all their stuff like for their whole discography is insane but some of the stuff that wolfgang was doing on like psalms of the moribund is i like i can't think of any other examples where I, i've heard that kind of stuff before and i i when i talked to lilla you know i used to talk to him all the time online from like the mid 2000s through like 2012 or something uh we're fairly fairly close um i you know there was a couple times where i remember talking to him about i think it was after servile insurrection came out and i was just talking about guitar tones and he was working on was it psalms that came out in like 2009 yeah um I think it was 2007, was, actually. No, it's 2007, because actually, I'll say this, that okay. Psalms came out at the same year that Cryptic came out, because okay. everybody was yeah, doing that's right. that. What do you like better? And I always was like, that's two totally different bands. <laughs> I, I, I just remember talking to Lil, saying, God damn it, I wish, you know, like, I get what you're going for with the tone. Like, I, I get it. You know, it's it's just the, the, the most brutal tone you can fucking get across i just wish like i i know i know that you're playing some super complex shit i just can't hear the fucking notes half the time right right and you know i i i have a fairly decent ear and i still can't fucking decipher 80 percent of the shit that they're actually doing and and i'd tell them that you know dude i wish you know you guys you know like with servile you know it, I guess we'd that probably makes sense because we probably recorded Servile. So I think I was showing him like uh, rough tracks, rough mixes of Servile, and he was showing me like near final mixes of uh, Psalms. And I was like, "See, dude, I'm like on on Servile. I'm going for this like super pristine, clean where every note matters and you can hear every note. And I I kind of wish." that I could hear every note that you guys are doing because you're playing some amazing shit. And it's just a lot of it is, is, is going over the heads of the listener because the tone is so brutal and scooped and, and um, it's just the opposite of servile, you know, it's, it's, it's from ultra clarity to, it's not that they're muddy. They're just, it's, it's fucking scooping. But you also have to understand that- you have to understand huh? that that guy also loves the super gurgly, dirty slam stuff yeah. too. You know, right. and I I back that. I'm 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 just saying, like, so what he's doing with which I was with the recent episode we did last week. I was starting to think about musical alchemy, and 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 the alchemy of defeated sanity is to take a lot take the main main part that that fusion uh shreddy intricate shit that we're talking about and and throwing that slam stuff into the mix and that that gives it that brutal tone that he gets you know it's just it's an alchemy thing so it's like I love the that the mixture of all these things were take it back to artificial brain real quick. It's like the gurgly vocals I didn't really get excited about too much, but 
recently, like hearing them over this deathened black metal experimental dissonant project that Oleg's a part of, like I'm like, oh, these gurgles now. I I'm down with these gurgles because they're in an element that you would not normally right be exposed to them in. But yeah, I I know what you're saying though, because I do. I, I I'm just doing the devil's advocate thing from what you're saying, Mike, with really where I would mainly want to hear that would be the way that you're talking about, because I know that these defeated sanity, defeated sanity riffs are very intricate and probably play. If somebody could rip it on an acoustic guitar, I'd probably love it. Well, see, I got one. What this comes back to for me is, is watching, like I said, when we got back from tour, and Oleg was working on the periphery solo uh, 24 hours a day for about three days until he got it perfectly. <laughs> uh, he started working on that defeated Sandy song and, you know, it only took a couple of days before he had it down. And, you know, I'd sit there and watch him and he was playing it acoustically on his uh, Kiesel. Was it Kiesel then or was it was still Carvin? It was still a Carvin. Yeah. Okay. So he had, a, he'd, he'd bought a, uh, he'd made a custom Carvin for the tour with us. And he's playing, sitting on my couch, I'm sitting next to him, and he's playing along with the Defeated Sanity song. And there, I don't think there was a tab. He fucking somehow figured out, like, he was able to decipher it by ear, which I no, wouldn't no, be no. able to do. No, was no, there no. a tab? There was totally a tab. Okay. There was totally a tab. <laughs> I was trying to fucking give you props, but... Go no, ahead. I appreciate that, but there's no way I can figure that stuff out. Um, okay. <laughs> like, in line with what you guys were just saying about the production, which which is an artistic choice that yes. I can easily stand behind because it's to me, it's like, it's an aesthetic thing. It's, it's uh well, like even beyond like just an aesthetic thing, like, okay, you have, you have like the, the like slam death metal factor of defeated sanity. So it, it like viscerally moves you, but at the same time, deciphering what's going on on all the instruments is like reading a dense book that you have to go back to over yeah. and over and your mind right. ultimately has to fill a lot of the gaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like that to me is beautiful because it just like, if the music itself can speak and like on its own, right. And like have lasting power, then every time I come back to it, it's like, the replay value is just added more and more because it's an indecipherable code. Um, well, not, I shouldn't say indecipherable, but it's like, it's a, it's a puzzle that a very few can unlock. And that's why we keep trying as we listen. We're, yeah. we're it's, a, it's one of those things where you're trying the puzzle out. It, well, I have fun trying this puzzle out, but I know, <laughs> me anthony trapping i'm never gonna unlock fucking Trapani, by the way <laughs> well saying exactly. america i'm saying the americanized version so everybody just gets it dude yeah yeah um, well i don't even think that like it's about like like figuring it out necessarily because even if you don't figure it out uh it's like what's truly happening what's happening ultimately is it's an active experience between the band playing music and the listener using their ear to fill in the gaps that they can't make sense of. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I mean when I say it's like reading a dense book. It's like when you read a book, you, you have to like fill in a lot of gaps, like right. setting what 
people's voices sound like in dialogue, like all that stuff has to come from yourself. And you just, right. and that's kind of like what, it, what I feel like when I listen to something as dense as like defeated sanity with like crazy production where it's like, or, um, worms first album. Planet yeah. Scarum. Yeah. I love that album like more than most things in life. And so much feel so much. Part of it has to do with the fact that it's like horribly produced. And I, I love that. Aspect it's that. all there though. It's it not just, horribly. It's, it's all there. there. Yeah. I, I say that in like the most crass sense of the term, but right. like, they're not going for clarity. They're going for feel. And but there's 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 influences in there that you can pull out too. And I'll say that Severed Savior's in there a few times. There's some riffs in there. And I'm like, oh shit. They just got that Severed Savior vibe real quick right <laughs> there, dude. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole album is just fucking insane. But like what I love about it is like I've listened to it since I was like, I don't know, 14 years old. And it, almost every time I listen to it, I hear something new. Because it's like their like whole discography is really awesome, dude. But that one always pulls me back to, uh, I want to get back in this one and see what I missed. Yeah, that, yeah. that one's different. That I, like, I don't know any other album that sounds like that. But it really is. It's like playing a, a, a puzzle. It's, a, it's trying to put a puzzle together, dude. And like, I'm thinking about this in this conversation, We get, which, by the way, we're at three, almost three and a half hours. We're going to have to wrap it up pretty quick. All right, guys, yeah, let's, let's call it soon. You, yeah, we're going to call it soon for it's, you, especially, it's, dude. It's funny because I was like, guys, I don't know how long it can last. It's going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But I was like, let's see where the vibes are going. And yeah, really, and this is where the vibes took us. This no, the vibes took us at three and a half hours for me to say that Back in Black is the easiest puzzle that anybody can figure <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. everybody figures that one out pretty uh, pretty much on the first run, right? Yeah. That's that's no the <laughs> that's the puzzles for the two year olds. <laughs> All I, right, I just want to say really quick that that regarding that uh, that whole story about Oleg learning the the defeated sanity song at my house on my couch, uh, it was incredible to see this guy um, go like to see you know somebody kind of like-minded to me and that they're that dedicated and that obsessive about something i gotta get it right i gotta get it right and uh oleg worked at it and you know seeing every time he played that song it got better and, and it did not take long you know it was only a day or two before he had it down and it was fucking mind-blowing um he was playing that shit acoustically just his his carving unplugged and he was playing it playing along to it on his phone or something. And, uh, it was perfect. I mean, it was fast as shit and super complex and, uh, yeah, it's just, just harkens back to, uh, his ability to not only the natural talent to, to be able to figure shit out and play shit correctly, but the the drive and the intense dedication Oleg has to uh, learn things correctly. That's and, what I was going to um, say, dude, is that we all, I think that we all at that time, we were a little bit older, you know, uh, I was a little bit older. You were a little bit older than me, so you're a lot bit older. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, seeing, like, he was the up-and-comer. He was freshly 21, and you're like, oh, shit, dude. 
look at the potential in this man right here you know like that's what i felt for real like oh this guy's if he just doesn't fuck it up and go off into a pool hustler realm for 10 years you only did it for two uh he could be something and look at you dude you're going out to europe dude that's all i'm gonna say dude you what your abilities are taking you out to europe right now dude and i fucking love that like it, it shows that you you blossomed as a man what what do we got you're you're about to be 32 yeah next year but also you, you guys you guys know how to make a boy blush over here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, we're we're just we're just propping you up to show you that we saw you in the be in in the beginning, or not in the beginning, but towards the beginning of your journey. Like we we were a part of your first swan dive into the real deal, and um, and we we're saw proud it. of you. Yeah, we're proud, we're of, proud you, of you, dude. We we're definitely proud, and we saw it in you. Then same thing with Alex Bent, like yeah. I saw it in Alex that that month too, and I'm I'm just oh, yeah. I'm loving that y'all are doing what you're supposed to and be Craig. doing at this time, dude. Yeah, dude, all dude, it was just so much, dude. And and everybody like Craig just get coming back from France. Like we're gonna be having the deeds episode soon to get that Good. wrap up wrap up. Uh, nice Maryland France episode. Yeah, dude, no doubt. Yeah, Oleg, can you? Ola, can you do us a favor and uh, before we end for tonight, can you go over kind of your uh, your gear that you've been using for a while now? Like, can you go over those two guitars you got behind you? What, yeah. what specs are and what you're using for uh, what you're using for amps live and that kind of shit? Yeah, absolutely. Gotta, gotta give us the deets, man. Always have to nerd out. <laughs> All right. So, Did you see what I'm sorry, Troy, but when you chime in, dude, this like I could see what you're dealing with right now. I love that you're 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 being pro with it though, dude. Yeah, it's so thank funny. you so much. That's I'm sorry that you're dealing with that right now, but fuck man, that's crazy. Guess I should have stayed at work instead, huh? <laughs> well, I mean probably not, dude. It doesn't matter. You're here with us, you're fucking rocking out dude it's all good yeah. no i mean i should have done this from work where it'd be quiet now because everybody's <laughs> gone <laughs> right no no uh air guns and shit going on all right oh like what you got bro it's the ormsby hype gtr that's exactly what it is sweet it's a it's a run run to ormsby yeah, hype GTR seven string i fucking yeah. love that you killed that dude that was a fucking guest yeah I love the, the burled maple top on that thing. Got the burled maple top, otherwise known as the coffee table top. Okay. Flat, flat black painted polyurethane on the back. Mm. Got the multi-scale. Uh, what, what is the multi-scale? What's your first string versus seventh string? So the high E first is string. standard uh, 25.5 scale length. Okay. Going up to the lowest string. The low that looks B. like it's like a fucking 27 and a half. It's a 27.8. Wow. Mm, holy shit. shit. Yeah, and so, what gauge strings are you using? Me trying to act like I know what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, a lot of people talk about <laughs> multi-scales as uh, like an ergonomic benefit. No, it's, more about the, it's more about the string tension. That's exactly right. Thank you. 
Like this Love has it. nothing to do with ergonomics because I'm going to play chords the same way I'm going to play chords no matter what. Like there's the only chords that would feel different is like an like a like an F power chord that's like in first position, but even then it's not that different. Like I don't have to be perfectly yeah. lined up on the side there. Um but the tension is really where this thing shines because I can like like dig in into these strings and it won't have that wobble effect where the transient is like half a step higher than what the actual sustain right is. it's um, much more stable yeah so using slightly larger picks what am i using here uh, i'm using these green 0.88 millimeter tortex dunlop picks that are like regular full size. And I used to use the smaller jazz threes all the time. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Did I, did I give you my red bear jazz three? I don't did know. I, I offered it to you. What makes Wait, what is red bear? What is red it, what bear? Is remember I bought those picks that were like fucking 30, 40 bucks each. And uh, I bought one that's a normal size. And then I bought one that was a jazz three shape and size a piece. dude. Yes. But they Whoa. last forever. Um, okay. And I, I offered you the Jazz 3 style one, and I don't remember if I actually gave it to you or not. I don't think I have it anymore, so I thought I, I thought I had given it to you. I have to double check. What would it what would it look like? Would it look like a regular Jazz 3 pick? Like, like that, but a Jazz 3. It was kind of tortoiseshell looking. Did it have the, the holes too? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have that. Okay. I feel like I would remember the holes. I think I remember you saying you tried you tried it and you were like, eh, it's all right. It's cool, dude. Yeah, I mean, I used to use the Jazz 3s all the time just because that's what like felt yep. most comfortable. But once I started playing more in, in artificial brain, I think it was primarily Sam. Maybe it was like both Dan and Sam uh, talking about the type of picks I was using and the kind of sound that it produces through like a distorted guitar, especially if you're using like high gain and like an overdrive pedal. The type of pick that you use has a huge influence on your sound. You don't and remember me talking to you about this, saying I was trying to get you to use a normal pick like me, and you were like, dude, Jazz 3s, the first time I played it, it ended up being like a aha moment for me where once I played that Jazz 3, I never wanted to touch anything else. It just felt right. And I was like, but was, dude, these other picks are like, they sound better. That must, now, have been, that must have been the one lesson I failed because <laughs> going back to it now i'm totally on your side <laughs> okay what are um, those what are those earbuds or ear uh, plugs you sold me on mike i lost mine and i can't remember the name of them um troy troy you know etymotic etymotic yeah yeah say it again etymotic e-t-y-m-o-t-i-c they're earplugs that allow high end to go through still but they they just decrease the volume so you can still hear everything and symbols and shit. Now but, that I'm back to like going to shows and stuff, like I've been missing those. I can't find them. And those were clutch in live yeah, settings. That'd be nice. Yeah. Dudes, we've been going for a while. Oh, no, 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 no. He's got to finish his gear rundown. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to hear this shit. All right. I'm not you're, slacking over here either. You're in for the long run, Anthony. You're in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> This is coming I'm, down the home stretch. All right. So we got everyone here. I fucking love this guitar. All it does when I play it is make me want to play more guitar, which is the most Sick. important. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I love this thing. 
It's beautiful. Also, it has a coil tab. So I have like the, the split coil sound capabilities, which is what I started doing with my latest virus covers because they all have like uh, single coil guitars. What are the pickups? Uh, custom Ormsby pickups called Nunchuckers. Okay. They're amazingly dynamic, high output, passive pickups. Very similar to the SIRS. But uh, okay. I, I would say uh, the Sir Aldrich's, but yeah. more hairy. Okay. More hairy. So high, higher output? Maybe higher output. Those things were hot, though. Like, yeah. their name for the seven string variant was literally seven hot. Hmm. It's just like seven hot pickups. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So that's that one. And then this guy. I got very lucky. So this is like a fully custom guitar made by a band named Joey Cruz. Let me try to get the whole thing in here. Joey Cruz is an apprentice of Carl Thompson's, the guy that makes the basses for um, Les Claypool in Primus. Okay. Trip. Hence, oh, wow. hence like this kind of like yeah, yeah, right. detailed okay. horns yeah, and, and like natural wood finish. Damn, so sick. Um, I'm like truly blessed to have this because this wasn't even meant for me originally. Um, a wow. good friend of mine from high school named Max Devlin, shout out to Max Devlin. Uh, he had commissioned this guitar for one of his bandmates and uh, things didn't work out for one reason or another with them two. And he was left with like a lefty seven string that he didn't know what to do. So he just uh, decided to, to pass it on my way. Wow. And go over some of the specs great. on that thing. What's up? Go go over some of the specs on that. Okay, so this is gonna take some digging from me. Hold on. I'm gonna go <laughs> dig my pee pee in the toilet. There dig you go. It. Dig it. Life's a garden. <laughs> Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep like uh, messaging joe the luthier that made this guitar about the specs and he keeps telling me what's in it and i keep forgetting and hold on let's see here i feel a loss do you know what the wood is it's a lot of wood there's a lot of wood going on here lots of wood hence hence my digging <laughs> it's digging for the wood cool it's all about the wood Okay. We've, we've gotten to that point of the episode. I, your your video quality is not the greatest, but it kind of looks like walnut. I can't tell. I'm not. I'm not even going to try to attempt to to name the woods. Mike, your camera is very exquisite looking. Which camera? Thank you, buddy. Is? This is a uh, Elgato face cam. Ooh, nice. I need to upgrade my shit. What you got behind you, Mike, real fast? What, what's that main one that's right behind you? That this? Guitar. Right or, or there? The to your left arm. To your, uh, this one, yeah. But uh, down, down. The... That's my newest edition, which is a uh, Strandberg, Strandberg ah. Bowden NX, or Metal NX, which is their newer line that's got upgraded hardware. And then to the right of that, I've got a uh, custom Strandberg from 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, sick. 
I've got my SG. 1991 SG standard, my 2000 PRS. Mm-hmm. This is a core PRS Wood Library McCarty Damn. 594. That Beautiful. is my core PRS Custom 24 Wood Library with the artist package. And then that that is yeah. my Sur Custom from 2011. I think I got in early 2012 uh, that I took on the 2012 tour uh and then that one that one is the uh guitar i recorded servile insurrection with which is a jackson sls mg uh-huh. that one is nice. my aristides uh 060 i like the color on that one um, huh. and that's a Guitar, custom guitar made in the Netherlands that has not a molecule of wood in it. It's all uh, oh, carbon yeah. fiber. It's all no, it's not carbon fiber. It's some proprietary um, composite stuff, like composite plastic mm-hmm. that they mold. Yeah. And then um, how's the? Does that transfer? Like how how the weight? It does, feels? You, you, it's actually heavy. It's heavier oh, than really? you would think. Um, hmm. It's heavy for what you think. It's heavier than you would think it would be but it's not unreasonably heavy and it's very resonant. So it's not too dissimilar from a wood guitar other than it's more stable. So when the environment or humidity temperature changes, it doesn't fluctuate. Yeah, exactly. And then I've got a, the SL two H Jackson that uh, Casey also has the exact same one, which is fucking incredible. And then right behind me is my new Ibanez uh, prestige bass that I've not even really played, but I bought it in hopes to uh, start working on new severed shit. So, hell yeah, that was awesome. Yes, uh, Mike, how how are those Strandbergs feeling? Incredible! I fucking love them. Um, the the this one is my new main guitar for playing severed shit on the live streams and it sounds nice, great man. it's got sir aldrich pickups in him uh nice. like my my custom sir or my custom strandberg uh i had i actually shipped them i bought a pair of uh sir aldrich pickups and they installed them when this was made at the washburn custom shop before it closed and then when i had it sent back for some warranty work uh the guy who worked at Strandberg used to work at Sir, and he was—he instantly recognized the pickups. He's like, "Oh, you put some Sir Aldrich pickups in him. I love those." I'm like, "Yeah." And then, surprise! All the fucking Strandbergs now come with Sir Aldrich pickups. <laughs> but the 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 Strandberg that I bought that's made in Indonesia uh, is phenomenal. It plays just as good as my USA one. Um, it's not. There's no. There's no frilly. You know, it's not pretty but it's a workhorse. It fucking plays yeah. great. Solid uh, stainless steel frets. Um, it's very, very comfortable. The neck shape, you know, the, the endure neck that's got like three flat surfaces, you know, it only takes a couple of days to get used to. And it's very natural. Uh, once you get used to it, this might so. be a dumb, dumb thing to say, but do you think it's because their love of metal that they can make sick fucking guitars? Swedish people. What no, you, you said made in <laughs> Indonesia. Oh, uh, no, because, well, I mean, that may be part of it. You're saying it was just put together and then, well, so no, here's the deal. Like, and a lot of people probably know this, but 
there's a guitar company that's now in Indonesia that that basically makes 80% of the fucking world's guitars. And most of the import guitars, basically all these companies that, that like, I think the Ormsby is made in Indonesia, right? The, The one that you have. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's all of these different guitar companies that want to have their, uh, their non USA or their non domestic, uh, guitars, their guitar lines like to have a cheaper option mm-hmm. or having their guitars made through the same factory so you got this one factory in indonesia that makes guitars for fucking uh ltd Schechter, ormsby strandberg uh, uh godin uh there, there's like fucking in court i think it's it's i think it's owned by the company court k-o-r-t but they wow. It's basically this one big factory that essentially makes, and they've got you know different sections that make different brands guitars. But um, yeah, you know I'm sure part of it is is that they still have a passion for guitar music out there, kind of like Japan and Southeast Asia is, is still very into guitar music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of the the workers are, are actually players, um, but the the quality control has gotten much better over the last several years for guitars that have come out of this factory. Um, so I, I have no, like no complaints quality wise. It's, it's every bit as good as my USA Strandberg, except it costs about 1500 bucks plus less than that one. Mm, and that it's just not as nice. I like, it's just not as pretty. Less. So the, 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 the Indonesian Strandberg was like 2,100 and my USA one was like 3,800, something mm. like that. Uh, and it's, it's every bit as good quality wise and attention to detail and the fit and finish. It's just not that particular one is not as pretty as my USA one that's made with Koa wood from Hawaii and ebony fretboard and bird's eye maple neck. You know, this one is just straight maple neck with, uh, you know, there's a paint job on the body, so you can't see the figuring and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a great guitar. It's Anyways. all art, dude. I yep. was just going to say, these, these are just things of art. And however you want to translate it, it's creators of guitars, it's sculptors, it's painters. It's This is my version of this, you know, woodworking. All of it's art, art dude, and creativity, dude, and I love it. Well, nowadays, even the, the, the big companies like PRS and everybody are doing CNC machines to do the basic cutout for bodies and neck shapes and everything. So everything is done through for almost every company across the world is, is doing, you know, um, uh, AutoCAD uh, 3D designs of their guitars. And then they put it in the CNC machine and that carves out the mm-hmm. basic shape. So it all has to do with you know, the fit and finish, you know, the attention to detail that the hand, the actual human hand work to sand down everything. And, you know, fret work, uh, is, is an art form. And, uh, you know, they've obviously got people at that Indonesian factory now that, that have done it for long enough that they're, they're really starting to master it now. Um, 
So they're they're really putting out some pretty fucking good quality shit at a nice, cheaper price. Dude. So and yeah, I'm sure really Oleg can attest to it with his his Ormsby. Right. Well, I was gonna say it's kind of like a it's always a gamble when you're like when you're paying for less. You could yes. wind up with like a really sick guitar that's comparable yes. in craftsmanship and playability to something that's worth like two thousand dollars more, but the chances of it are less, and you might wind up with something that's just kind of hasn't had that much attention to detail. But every now and then you come across a cheap guitar that's just like, wow, yep. this yep. is a work of art where everything came together beautifully. Yep. But, totally. Yeah. So go go through the details this, on this. this okay, guitar, so but. this, uh, I believe, so Joe Cruz, uh, I believe goes by MBJ Guitars. So this would officially be an MBJ guitar. The headstock, and where is he? He's up in, um, I think now it's Pleasant Valley, New York. He used to be okay. based at the Beacon and used to also work in Carl Thompson's shop in Brooklyn. Um, but now I think he's got his own thing going on in Pleasant Valley, New York. Still working at a Carl's shop as well in Brooklyn. The headstock has a little, like, uh, custom little star orbital inlay over there, which is pretty sick. Like a custom nice. little, like, I, I know my camera is really shitty, but there's like a, like everything here has like custom, like wood finish parts. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, so you like can't that. see that. And like, when like, you pull it back. Yeah, even the the truss rod cover, I'm trying to get it into a light where you can like see it. But the truss rod cover is also like a like a wood piece that's part of it. And getting into the details here, so all right. You were right. This is walnut. The main wings, it's specifically Claro walnut. Yep. And then the Purple center. Heart. So let me see if I can get more lights going in here so you can kind of see camera's going to be shitty, but so this center stripe is a little bit more of like a red hue and that is mm -hmm. a Paduk. Huh? Yeah. Some exotic wood named Paduk. The core of the body is mahogany. Okay. Um, the neck is mahogany as well. And the fingerboard ebony classic classic ebony on the fingerboard here and then the racing stripes that uh follow this little center stripe here are a mixture of walnut and paduke as well just okay flip sides so they contrast with each other a little more is that a hip shot bridge uh i believe it is yeah okay. hip shot bridge and the pickups are uh, I had no say in this, but I actually love the way that they sound through most of the rigs that I play. It's a Seymour Duncan, Pegasus, and Sentinel set. Oh, that's that's uh, what's his name from Periphery? Um, who's the the dude with glasses and kind of long hair? Oh, it's uh, Mark. Yeah, Mark Holcrum or Holcomb, whatever. Holcomb, I think yeah. that's aren't those his his signature set? Honestly, I have no idea. I pay. My I, I pay an embarrassingly little amount of attention to gear. <laughs> my student got his guitar. My, yeah. my, the whole jam with him today. Yeah, he he ordered that because Joel and I were like looking at different guitars and he was wanting to buy something and he had like a grand to spend or something. I was like, PRS, dude. And he just, he got that one, the Mark Holcomb, whatever model. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking sick as shit. I played yeah. with him today. He's, he's like and, a, he's like in high school. He's like, he's a dude, that thing's sick. Dude. Hell yeah. I mean, I honestly yeah. love the way these pickups sound. As as long as like whatever I'm playing through is uh, 
responsive to dynamics. You know, like if you pick mm -hmm. harder, yep. it's gonna growl harder yeah. at you. That's that's what's most important. It's gotta it's gotta be reflective of your playing. What what a amp and cabinet are you using when you guys? So usually uh, I have a sixty five hundred five plus, like okay. a one hundred twenty yep. watt. Honestly, I could I feel like I could get away with a fifty watt. Yeah. In this day and age, because you're never even like cranking the the, the preamp tubes that hard anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I got the sixty five hundred five plus, and I'll usually play through whatever cab that the bar has. But I do have my own Avatar cab which was specced by a friend of mine in college um, named Chris. And he was like all about gear and sound. And I was just like, all right, you can spec this amp. I'll sign off on it and, and claim it as my own. I think it's like, um, there's like a cross pattern. And I think it's greenbacks and V30s in some X. Interesting. Okay. X, uh, you know, pattern. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds great. I, I love the 6505 Plus, especially for its price. It's like the cheapest amp I can think of that can like handle like just pure, hairy, gritty, yeah. but like raw and precise tone. They've got yeah. a lot of gain and it's tight too. A lot of gain. I really don't have to like veer much from like, you know, you start you start using an amp, start everything at, at noon, set yep. every single knob dead yep. up. And then see where you can go from there and explore the sound. And I, I really don't have to go far in any direction to find something that I really like. Yeah, the gain at like six is like gnarly already, you know, the, or the pre-game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, for pedals, I try to keep it light. But this is what I'll be running through in Europe, which is basically all of my pedals anyway. So I got the classic. Uh, nice. Classic tuner. Boss yeah, yeah. D3 DSP, decimator, yeah, yeah. which my is that the tuner you brought on tour with us? Yeah, all okay, like this mm -hmm. and this. And I I didn't have this overdrive back when I was with you guys, I don't think, but yeah, this is the same tuner. Got the classic ISP decimator 2, classic Maxon OD808, and then these two are for getting weird with it. Um, <laughs> Classic little analog delay carbon copy MXR. Nice. And then this thing's awesome. It's a lo-fi, ZVEX lo-fi junkie. Um, this knob in the center, if it's like all the way in one direction, it's like a full-on compression pedal. And then it blends into chorus as you get up to the top. And mm -hmm. then as you go into the complete right direction, it's like full modulation. And what it does is it kind of creates like a... Uh, like a Boards of Canada tape, like warble wow. effect. Nice. And you can, out, dude. you can control like the depth and speed of it. So like you can get like really weird and seasick with it. Like one of those like weird like tremolo pedals. Or mm. you can keep it like very like slow and lush. But um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I run all of that through the front of my amp too. I know technically you're supposed to run like delay pedals through the effects loop, but sure. mm -hmm. I don't, I don't use them for the purpose of, of recreating the previous notes i use it to just fatten up the sound and right. i found that if i keep it uh i always get these two mixed up but i have it right after my tuner pedal like from my guitar tuner pedal and then carbon copy lo-fi junkie and then the uh, overdrive and noise gate at the end of all of that 
So I don't know where that would constitute in terms of like where it is in the signal chain, but I love the way the delay pedal sounds right in front of the amp, right after the tuner pedal before all of like the effects pedals. It's, uh, it just, it really, it fattens it up in a way that's like creates a lot of density. So if you're playing like, uh, like weird single note spacey leads, it can really fatten up the sound, but at the same time, every next note that you play is way more audible than the delay sound that you're hearing. So you can use it in a part that's like relatively busy, but it'll sound way more like fat Tight. than, than what hmm. you would normally play just, you know, raw through your amp. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, I, I try not to go too deep into gear because like I said, I'm very obsessive with what I get into and I know I can go down a very deep rabbit hole when it comes yep. to gear. It's okay. Yeah. We posted an alert so people know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> because this is this is where the gear talk stops. Ultimately, <laughs> it comes down to just like I need to stop. Man. No, well no, but like like actually though, like I, I can't I, I don't know much about gear. I've I try to like kind of be ignorant to it because if I'm not, then I'll just become a, a complete gear freak and and not focus on playing. I know what you're talking about. At, like the forefront. So, yeah. but I will say, isn't it like two o'clock your time right now in the morning? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> nice. So, Man, Anthony, Anthony, if you, if you need to go to bed, Where's your we, we can still. I, well, I do that. actually need to go to bed soon, guys. I gotta go make cars. I'll, go I'll keep it going. I'll keep it going till they. Two, till two more minutes. Still vroom vroom. Where's your Oleg? Where's your keysel? The custom keysel from the Severed the Savior car tour, or Carvin, and uh, your LT? No, your Schecter yep. that you had before that. Yeah, Where so are those? I have my Schecter in a hard case right here. I haven't touched it since that tour. Okay. Mm. What and about I'm, the carbon? And the carbon I sold. What? Mm -hmm. No shit. Why? Damn. So I got the Ormsby. Okay. Uh, many many years ago at this point, and I was playing it so much more often than my carbon. And okay. uh, yeah, I knew someone. I knew a lefty that was looking for a seven string, and I was like, you know okay. what? I, I can oh, get rid yeah. of the carbon. Lefties unite, dude. Twelve percent of the planet, dude. Also, that carbon was like kind of like an experiment because I just, you know, I like custom spec'd it, but I didn't really know what I was getting into because I didn't have my hands on all that many guitars. So I was just like, fuck it. Let me just like throw paint at a wall and see what these specs sound like and feel like. And they were great. I mean, that was my main guitar on tour with you guys. But yep. once I played the Ormsby, I was like, oh, this is like another guitar for me to like, for my hands to understand what the different specs of the instrument are and yeah. uh it's got a completely different vibe yeah wind up selling it wow well i'm glad to see that you switched from uh jazz threes to a normal pick uh, <laughs> yeah. i wish i wish i wish i uh i used this with you guys because it really does make such a such a difference in sound hmm. the the jazz threes are too rounded at the edges and a little too thick and a little too small and the plastic material itself all lends itself to like a like a more warm round tone whereas mm -hmm. like when you're playing stuff that involves a lot of trim picking or 
a lot of palm muting, anything, anything that benefits from like that, like extra digging in transient attack and digging in and yep. hearing the dynamics of like the difference between like the pick being like this deep into your strength. Yes, exactly. As, as opposed to just the tip, total difference in sound. And that, that was the conversation I had with you back then. I was trying to tell you that that I just can't dig in with those little tiny jazz threes. They're too small. You're only hitting this little sharp tip across the strings. And I was, yeah. you know, showing you like the psychophiliac picking style where you're really digging in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was show, trying to show you, you know, with normal picks, you know, you can dig in so much more and, and, and you're like, Nope, jazz threes. <laughs> this is what I'm about. They're the greatest. They're the fucking Holy grail for me. Yeah, little did I know you were you were spewing nothing but truth, and here I am now. Yeah, you made them work though. Work. You you made them work, and that's all that mattered. Yeah, at the time. Totally. Yeah, it's it's all a learning process. Even even nowadays, I'm still I still question the way I play every single fucking note, and that's that's kind of what it's all about, right? Yes. Never ending, unattainable goal of of reaching something some kind of ideal if yep. you if you reached it we, you would have stopped yeah exactly yeah you know? so you're that's why you're still going dude and i love that dude and and again we've already reiterated it, it we're super proud of you dude but yep. i love to hear what you've been doing and 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 that you've still been chasing the craft and and bettering yourself you know, executing that craft, dude. And yeah, dude, this is why I wanted you on, dude, because one, here is the, it's still, you're in the middle of your journey, obviously. And two, it's like, I just want people to see, like, this is, this is somebody who's still chasing it, dude. Yep. Hell yeah, man. And, and, and thank you so much for, you know, the opportunity to just, blab on about nah dude my weird that, methods over here so i appreciate it very much we we wanted it all dude and uh thank you so much for and dude secret surprise guest mike and troy dude thank I you know. we I pulled know. this off today yeah. i i texted them today i'm like you know what casey was like hey you maybe we should see what's up with those guys and i was like you know that'd be cool to have them pop in and have the full tour reunion Murdoch in the chat. Yep. You still there? All right. My eyes are so bad, guys. I need to go to the eye doctor. <laughs> I cannot see anything. No, the 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 secret and uh of having everyone on here is like amazing. Totally made my night. Yeah, and I I, I purposefully kept it for me because I love doing that to people. I love Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to just ambush you with with uh nostalgia. Boom, 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 boom. No, it, it seriously brought it. Like, especially like I had the uh, the the 2012 tour, like a shirt, like on a screen next to me the whole time. So I like, yeah. keep it it's like, wow, in that city 10 years ago with these dudes. Well, Sick. we were missing James, dude. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll uh, hit him up and say, hey, hit, get, check out this episode, dude. We mentioned you a few times. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> He's been mentioned in several episodes. I know, right? I haven't I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh yeah, I'm really uh drunk, stoned, and tired, guys. So we gotta go to bed. <laughs> I'm right All there with you. All right. right. 
We got one but, more minute left to be, reach four hours, so keep it yeah, going. Yeah, we got to we got to hit the four yeah, hours. Yeah, we got to we got to plug everything else again. Oleg, so, Oleg yeah. tell us about your future. No, right, the artificial brain. I was going for the no, artificial right. brain merch. <laughs> merch, yeah. I mean, we got right. merch. Uh, we're on uh, what used to be known as cold cuts merch. Now it's massacre merch. Okay. Um, but yeah, got a whole bunch of shit there. I actually, uh, I, I like put out digital tab books on there as well, which have oh, been like, shit. like a good, nice. a good way to, to like spread the love in other ways. So yeah. Actually, you know what? We have about 25 seconds left to get the four hour mark. Oleg. So, uh, <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you, um, oh, since you're my, my, my right hand or what I see is the, my, the best right hand yeah. I've ever had. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> for a second guitar, uh, you need to uh, help me write the new Severed Savior album, dude. That's so with me. at four hours. You're gonna say that? Yeah, I was. I didn't want to. The elephant in the living room. I, I didn't want to. I was like, dude, when's the new Severed? What, what's going? I mean, on? I still consider I still consider Oleg to be I, our second I guitar think, player, if yeah. regardless of what but we're I'm doing. Never, I think that rules. Not. I just want to say, I just, I just want to say, because I'm a fan, I'm I'm not in Severed. I'm the only one in this four-hour <laughs> beautiful episode of Glory that's not in Severed. But I just want to say, I, I bet you, it, there's six people, uh, according to my thing, they're still watching. They might have been waiting this whole four hours to find out about the new yeah, Severed. Dude. If there's going to be more Severed. I think the world... I mean, the world wants it for sure. It's just a matter of will the world receive at some mm -hmm. point more severed. You know? Well, now that me and Troy or Troy and I are are actively playing our instruments again for the first time in years. And uh, oh, yeah, we haven't talked about the Twitch channels either. Um, we still yeah, got both, Troy, both Troy and I have been uh, broadcasting on Twitch or streaming on Twitch. We do need to talk about that. A couple times a week for a few months now. Uh, I've I've been doing it a couple months, and I was inspired to do it by Troy, who set up you know eighteen cameras and uh, <laughs> looks like a pro setup from day oh, one. Yeah. Troy's um, badass. So yeah, you know the the goal here is to get the rust out first and foremost, and just get to playing all the time again. And uh, what better way than it, when you have to play, you know? So if you're if you're streaming, you kind of have to fucking be able to play again. So uh, now that we're both back in the swing of things and continue to get the rust out, uh, the next step is going to be to start working on new shit. Um, you know, we're going to have... I've already talked to Dusty and Jared and... Uh, we're going to have some guest appearances on whatever we put out, whether it's an EP or full length, we're going to have dusty do some guest stuff on there. We're going to have Jared do some guest stuff. Cool. Um, but I still want the, you know, primary, uh, uh, the primary, uh, instruments, core of it. the core instruments to be, you know, Troy and myself, uh, so I'll be handling, you know, bass and, and guitars, but, uh, I would like to have Oleg, uh, continue, uh, his second guitar slot on severed, even though we're probably not going to play live. Uh, but who knows? You never know. Uh, at least do an EP, if not a full length. And, uh, God knows I need the help with <laughs> writing shit. Cause I don't want to have to fucking, <laughs> right, you know, the majority of an album again that almost killed me last time. Well, so. you just found out that Anthony also plays guitar. 
That's true. And right. and drums apparently because you can, yeah, I can, you can hold down a beat. I wish you were here. I mean, you don't even need Troy really. Mike, I would love to. I would love to try at my best to to contribute anything that I can. And okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> now uh, that you're totally on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. You have live. you have to come up with your final <laughs> answer right now. Podcast. Right. Four hours into your two hour podcast, dude. This, we've just now this this is my genuine final answer. I would love to try. And like okay. I, I, I'm I'm like so tough on myself when it comes to writing. But yeah, I know too. that what the only way to like get past that is to just keep writing more. So yeah. you know, what better way to, to keep writing more than than to do it alongside yourself? So yeah. Well, it would be oh, an yeah. honor to have you um, take part in the uh, the future uh, work that we put out. So uh, I, I, we'd love to have you be a part of it and a, a, a significant part. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah. Down. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's get down and dirty. Let's talk more. Let's do All right. it. Yeah, I like that. All right. Sounds good to let's me. Have it up there. All right, guys. I love this so much. I'm glad this happened this way and rock on to everybody who's still here with us right now. If not, we, we are on YouTube staring at you right now. And, uh, what you need to do is beat it out. You need to, uh, you need to uh, drunk alert. You need to walk the walk. You need to flip the flop and you need to hit up artificial brain for all that merch business that he was talking about. You need to get to calideathpodcast.bigcartel.com if you want a shirt. You got to get to battleforgecoffee.com if you want to get alert. Oh, what's up? That was a rhyme. It wasn't even prepared <laughs> for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a great time. This is exactly what I wanted. I hope you had a good time too. Rock on. We'll see you next week. Uh, Severed Saviors. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much. Rock on. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Hell yeah. I had an amazing time talking with you, dudes. Thank you. Right yes, dude. Good to see you, dude. Stoked. Hell yeah. Rock Hell on. Yeah. Talk to you guys All soon. All right. All right. Okay. Cheers. I guess we need to end this now. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, We made it.